0: Oh, we finished Hyperforce, finally. Thank god. Now we just need to wait on George to record and get the episode out the door. Oh, that must be him. I'll go get the door. What'd you do that for?
1: Because it's Ninjor! Salutations, Ranger Splane! Ninjor was feeling lonely and sent me to check on you! Why are you
0: green? And what's with the mustache and monocle? Ah, see,
1: I'm a ninja from another dimension—one that fucks. And I also lied to your ninja. I'm really here to destroy you, meddling podcasters, once and for all. Ha!
2: Well, I'm gonna roll for the attack. What? Are-, are you doing that Gygax thing? Ha! I rolled a five. I add my modifier and the attack, and get an eleven. Ouch! Hey, Ashley, you try catch. Fine.
0: I summon a familiar to assist in our attack. Lightning bolt! Oh, shit, roll again. Lightning bolt! Add my magic modifier and... Yeah, this clown is going down. Shit, I didn't know I could summon him. Also, is he still dressed like a Morphin Master?
1: Ow, ow, ow! I'm allergic to cat bites! Ow! Hi. Uh... I'm so sorry, I'm whoa. Whoa.
0: Hi, I'm not looking to play Wheel of Fortune. I'm looking to get body snatched by Vesper Vasquez, Ashley. And I'm Bad Dice Rolls.
1: And I'm Squeezy Sparkle Toes, George Hanson Jr
0: and this is rangers flame where sid enthusiastic lifelong power rangers fan takes me ashley reluctant new fan through the world of power rangers and power rangers accessories this month we're finally getting the hyper force but just we had some good news and bad news on why it took us so long or rather how we finally got here so bad news that did get corrected is sid had some health issues yeah that was basically
2: why we were taking so long and health issues that impeded impeding watching this we were originally going to try to finish it i think by the end of summer and now we're like well little before the end of summer now it's like well we're almost at the end of the year finishing it but health issues no more everything's good and golden so but we have good news we're joined by one of the biggest power Rangers fans out there He's here, he's queer, and he's filled with existential fear. You know him from George's Ranger Reviews, George Jr. Hi, everybody.
1: How you doing? Doing
0: pretty well. Now that we're finally here talking about Hyperforce, (laughs) So, which is a lot, admittedly. But let's try to condense it down into five minutes like we usually do. After the events of Time Force, a team of Time Force cadets are suddenly thrust into an interdimensional conflict with a group called the Alliance. With the guidance of, and tech of Jen Scott's, these four young adults and one beat cop become the Hyperforce Power Rangers. Through time travel, dice rolls, and burritos, the time traveling team touches on the entire history of the franchise while trying to solve the mystery of what the Alliance wants. Um, so this particular iteration of Power Rangers is well the reason we're covering it is that it is very important to power rangers canon going forward but it's interesting because it has it's an rpg medium yeah versus <laughs> like um what we've usually encountered with power rangers with being either television sometimes movies and comics
2: <laughs> yeah i kind of uh i felt it was um i felt it was like slightly appropriate because you know with like, a movie or television show, uh, if you were doing this much time traveling.
0: Yeah. You
2: would, it, obviously, like, a studio would be like, fuck no, I think that's why we didn't get much time traveling with Time Force. Right. I uh, So I understand where it came from, but it's definitely a very interesting medium to look at because you you are literally watching... A cooperative storytelling going on
0: oh yeah for sure because i think especially like the cooperative storytelling of it all and like it gives them a little bit more freedom in terms of like you know they're not re- like bound by budget constrictions yeah um they're bound by certain things they can and or can't do with saban but <laughs> but it was still like easy for them to go in and just do like um Hey, you know, we're going to go time travel to Briarwood. Uh we're going to time travel to Angel Grove in 1994 and you know, they don't have to deal with all the green screen stuff and all of that. So I think it like it definitely lends like an extra ounce of like creativity that we haven't really seen from Power Rangers. Yeah. But the yeah, the RPG is a medium. I we'll get into it more as we talk into the episode, but it has like its pluses and its minuses overall. Yeah.
2: For Uh, sure. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But uh, I definitely did like that, you know, there was kind of that freedom to do things.
1: Uh, It's also the first time in the franchise that you were working with constraints as far as fitting the narrative in with what was going on both in the show and in the comics, which is commonplace across the brand now. The comics people are working uh, to make sure that... you know canon and continuity are working between Cosmic Fury and the comics now and yeah. the mor- the Morphin Masters makes sense and things like that this was the first rough draft of that in many ways which is why Hyperforce is so beloved by so many people because it it's an essential puzzle piece in that beautiful Carol King tapestry that we have of Power Rangers
2: yeah yeah it definitely um I think this is why I wanted to push to watch it at this point, where I think it was kind of like, sort of during Ninja Steel's airing, is when this was going on.
1: Yes, 100%. You had this Ninja Steel uh, Shattered Grid going on in the comics, Mm -hmm. and you had the whole 25th anniversary element going on as well. The same day that Shattered Grid ends, you had uh, Dimensions in Danger, the Ninja Steel special air on Nickelodeon late at night for the first mm-hmm. time in years. And then the day after, you had a tie-in episode where the Hyperforce Rangers come back from the events of Shattered Grid and don't even remember it. They had yeah. to fit all of this together, stuff that was filmed months before in New Zealand, stuff that was being done then during Hyperforce, and stuff that was being done a few months Go and written in the comics and make it make sense, and they're doing that now across the franchise as a whole,
0: <laughs> which is so weird to think about because power Rangers, like up until like where we are currently in Canon, like kind of played fast and loose a little bit with timelines and continuity,
2: yeah, it always um it always did I felt like there was kind of always these kind of complaints of like, well, this season doesn't fit with this or. What's going on currently, I know, with, like, well, what's happening with the SPA stuff with Aisha and Adam, but that doesn't make sense continuity with SPD, all this <laughs> stuff, and I'm just like, I am so glad they that because of this, kind of, I don't want to use the corporate term synergy, but... You know, it kind of synergized everything together mm-hmm. and created. You know, because of this era, of creating a multiverse, I have been much happier as a Power Ranger fan.
0: Yeah, and I we, think.
1: Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And we can thank Melissa Flores and her team for a lot of that. She, at this point, had written an entire franchise Bible, if that's the word you want to use, mm-hmm. uh and it it said this is the rules of how everything works and from this point onward we have countless dimensions within a multiverse where things things can be a little different but there is one grid one morphin grid across the franchise that connects everything together so everything that's owned by saban and during this transition hasbro is free to be used no matter what only the 95 movie and the 2017 movie aren't owned by them
3: <laughs> hmm.
0: okay that i guess it had not occurred to me that like that saban didn't fully own or at least the 2017 movie because i was always kind of curious as to why they never seem to show up in any of these crossover events
1: uh Lionsgate.
0: gate <laughs> oh, okay. okay there it is okay
1: lion's Lionsgate allows those suits and the look and those versions of the characters to be used in things like battle for the grid the video game or uh, legacy wars the other mobile video game but they're not allowed to mention that or mention when uh, things like the, you know, there's an Aisha morpher that's clearly from the movie that just came out in stores. Uh, they're not allowed to say that that's from the movie. They have to just say it's a generic yellow ranger morpher. Uh, because oh. if they used imagery from the movie, they'd have to pay 20th Century Fox. Uh-huh. uh. Well, yeah, They'd yeah. have to pay Lionsgate, and they don't want to do that. You know, the, those things are the loosest form of canon there is in the franchise. But everything's kind of out there somewhere, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: Like, i I have no, uh, I have no doubt that they'll find their way back in somehow someday. You know,
1: we'll, we'll see news and vaguely queer Trini again. Trust me, quasi <laughs> <laughs> queer Trini. Oh my sort god. of
0: bisexual, Trini
1: <laughs> girlfriend troubles, and in 2017 that was the peak of representation. I
0: know. Right? Oh my <laughs> god, people! I still find people arguing about that online sometimes. I don't know how. Um, <laughs> that's how desperate we were back then. We're just like, oh.
2: yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take this queer baiting shit. Yeah. Yes, I-
1: that's- Now we have non-binary characters, we have trans characters, human and alien. We have uh, teams of rangers millions of years old where there were queer characters even back then. Uh, But Hyperforce, we'll talk, is uh, the push into the right direction toward that stuff. And it started with a lot of fighting behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. Uh, they wanted queer characters in this show. And the people at Saban Brands said, we want that in the television program, not on some other thing. <laughs>
2: mm. Almost as if, you know, rainbow capitalism was involved.
1: Yeah, just a little bit. Uh,
2: I'm not going to say anything other than like, the uh, who was behind, like, a lot of the, the executives behind Saban Brands were definitely carny bastards. It's one thing <laughs> you will learn about being in pro wrestling. You can just spot a carny bastard.
0: And Saban, Heim Saban, is probably the second most notorious carny bastard in entertainment behind Stanley. <laughs>
3: yes.
2: <laughs> Vince McMahon wishes he was this level of carny bastard.
0: <laughs> well, if he was, he wouldn't have gotten caught. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be still running, um, He'd
2: either, like, run WWE in the ground and sell it to Michael Eisner
0: for a shit ton of money. Or he'd be still running WWE. Yeah, exactly. Alright, I think we've gone on long enough here. uh, Kind of about the medium and kind of what Hyperforce brought to the table. Uh, So let's kind of start in on our characters. Which we're going to start with our Hyperforce Blue Ranger, Eddie Banks. Who is... Oh, poor Eddie he suffers oh, so and,
2: much he does oh. I, I think uh, George you were the one who who notated this next note so
1: yes he is the millhouse of Power Rangers <laughs> everything it, it's coming up Eddie Banks the 25th everywhere <laughs> he goes he, he this poor boy suffers night and day all day every day and still gets up with the courage and stamina to fight again
0: <laughs> it, it really is truly admirable, and I do love the fact that, like, even... He, we've noticed he's probably the richest character in Power Rangers. Yes. yes. In terms of, like, he comes from old money. Old as balls money. <laughs> yeah,
2: super old as balls money.
0: <laughs> and, like, obviously because he's the 25th Eddie Banks in his family, like, you don't name yourself... You don't name an entire running line of people after the previous person, that long, unless you are fucking rich.
3: Rich. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Which was uh, then, then Wesley Collins.
0: Yeah, so... And Collins yeah. sounds like a very
2: old money name. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, if there yeah. is some fancy-ass drink that shares a name with you, you are old money rich. <laughs> <laughs> um, But anyway... So, but yeah, I love the fact that he does come from a rich family, but like, is one is very much a a very humble character. I think. Yeah, he's very down to earth. You know,
2: he's he certainly understands kind of the world a little bit around him more
1: than I would say some rich people. <laughs> yes, he's the rich person to lie on the train tracks and say, "Eat me first. I deserve it." Yeah. <laughs>
2: Much like Wes, you know, he's very similar. I think to to Wes, kind of this beautiful naive guy, you know.
1: Yes, he's very much the German Shepherd to Wes's Labrador Retriever.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And so, but yeah, I just find it like, like I love that contrast. If he comes from like old money, but like he's very down to earth, very humble, and also just so downtrodden in terms of every bad luck thing that can happen to him in this sh- in this particular show does i i think part
2: of that also had to do with just bad
0: dice rolls oh yeah i think andre had some of the worst dice rolls across the
1: series poor andre poor andre he was there the whole time he was there with malika and zach Helping to craft these episodes. He watched RPM all the way through. He watched seasons that didn't even get an episode all the way through. So that he could be knowledgeable. And then those dice got in his way every time.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I have to say, Andre, on the on the off oh,
0: chance you're listening to this, same bro. <laughs> <laughs> I hate me too. Oh, God. i just, I just remembering, like, the only other, like, frame of reference for, like, tabletop RPGs as theater that I really have is The Adventure Zone and I'm just thinking of how Clint would roll bad every fucking time with Merle. <laughs> <laughs> like the that that iconic line of the late Merle Ch- High Church rolled a 5. <laughs> <laughs> uh I mean I guess it would be worse in this case because they're literally working with like a six-sided die system. Yes. Which Six- yeah, six sided oh. can either
2: love you or hate you. And it uh, absolutely
0: hated Andre. Yeah, oh.
1: once
2: you once you get above like uh I feel like when if once you hit the fours and fives and sixes with a six sided system, gets great. Ones and twos just
3: <laughs>
2: especially because often with those systems is you have in place critical fails and critical successes. As we saw with those lightning bolts, like you roll a six while you continue to add those. Often with these type of systems, well, you rolled a one. Okay, roll another one. <laughs> I remember that with the Star Wars d6. Well, you had you critically failed, so roll roll again, and we add that like we add that d modifier essentially.
0: Yeah, the only time I've ever so I've only played one ever tabletop game, which was the um, Dresden Files RPG, which yeah. works on a Fate system. Yeah. Which is real weird. It's a six-sided die system that goes on plus minuses and neutrals. Yeah, wow. I'm
2: I'm currently in that sort of game right now is a fate-based system.
0: Yeah, it is it gets real yeah, it gets real weird, especially when you're trying to like do cool shit.
2: Yeah. Um so yeah, it's uh sorry, it's like I, I'm definitely the gamer out of all of us here, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like we have, we we're all gay, but we're all gay in different classes of gay. Sometimes, yeah. Like <laughs> I'm oh definitely,
2: I'm I'm. Let's see, I'm in a tabletop gr- group with a bunch of other queer people. Majority of us are trans, so.
1: <laughs> and I live with my dad in rural New Jersey and have no local friends. Cheers. Oh, I wish, I wish I could teleport you here. <laughs> If only. Oh my uh, goodness. I wish teleporting was real.
0: Same. Same. Honestly, same. For yeah. many reasons. <laughs> but having George around would be one of them. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, George, I think you're the one that, because uh, you know a lot about the show, is.
1: Uh, um, yes. I'm uh, maybe the person in the world who has seen Hyperforce the most. This is my sixth sixth watch through of Hyperforce. <laughs> you're braver than the u.s troops
2: <laughs> yeah i think you mentioned like uh andre like had a sonic the hedgehog inspiration for this
1: character yes 100 percent. andre is the ultimate fan insert uh person who's ever worked on power rangers he uh you know has made youtube videos like i do now for over a decade or two now, yeah, and he's prolific in the Power Rangers fan community. We don't have, uh, you know, a Power Rangers fan community of creators without people like Andre or Lisa J from No Pink Spandex or what you two do, and Andre got to become a Power Ranger, which is the coolest thing in the world. He literally was at the Black Panther Wakanda Forever premiere the other night. That is how far he has come. And he loves Sonic the Hedgehog and old video games. And when he was crafting and coming up with the character of Eddie Banks the 25th, he said, well, my most famous bit uh, on my channel is Hipster Sonic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and he even had a little jingle you know hipster sonic hipster hipster sonic and he hum- he hums it in one of the episodes when he's running fast in a blue blur he's sonic the hedgehog as a power ranger oh
0: my god I, I'm, freaking... I'm honestly surprised it took this long
1: <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> also thank you for putting us in it's such great Company of names as
0: Lisa J and Andre. <laughs> yeah, we, oh
1: we, my we, goodness! Of course, <laughs> we
0: we love Lisa J and we love Andre too. So this that's yeah. high praise. <laughs> yeah, I think that was definitely something I hadn't even considered until like we were done with the series and George mentioned that. I was like, oh yeah, it yeah, really with me too.
2: I'm like, oh yeah, that was something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I um, have a
1: Sherlock mind palace of hyperforce in my head at all times, so I can pull this stuff on a whim.
0: This is why it's helpful to have you for this episode. Honestly, yeah, it really is. <laughs> like, I feel like we could have like discussed it and had fun with this, but I think having you here adds so much to like our discussion in terms of like. I'm so
1: excited yeah. to be here and talk about it. It's <laughs> yeah. I, I could talk about hyperforce on my deathbed and I'll be smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's so important to me. They wanted me to host the the Hyperforce uh, five year panel at Power Morphicon this year, oh, uh, along, oh. and little did they not know that I'm a poor idiot in New Jersey that was never going to be at Power Morphicon. and they oh. had to scramble, and they had to scramble, and Michael Basudil, the comic book editor, and uh, from the Ranger Danger podcast. Ended up filling in for me and he did an Ooh, incredible job. You know? That's great. But that's if good. I, if I was there. I would have been a weeping mess. If oh. I got to be in the same room as Megan Camarena, I would have lost my mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's that. That is great to hear though, that Michael did a great job. Yeah. This panel, well, so
1: Michael does Michael, whatever Michael touches turns to gold. He is an incredible person. (laughs) Everyone from Ranger Dangerous, they're the nicest people.
0: That's great to hear. That's
1: great, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, so kind of to move on, kind of our finishing points about uh, Eddie is that we noted that he is unlucky in love and nearly everything else, which (laughs) we already (laughs) kind of noticed with him being the millhouse. But oh my god, I've never seen a ranger who's like has a romantic interest struggle as much as Eddie does. Yeah,
2: I was I was actually very thankful. It's not like Yeah. Uh, Cuz oftentimes what they would do, they, they do for romantic interest in the shows I've noticed is just kind of this like will they won't they and really drag it out and it's bad.
0: Mhm. Like, Don't even
1: and, get me started with Gia and Jake. Oh. Okay, that was actually just stalker behavior.
0: Um. Yes. Literally. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Yeah, I was just like... Yeah, because a lot of the times they kind of just m- would mash people up and it's just like, oh, aren't they cute? And you're just like, well, they're certainly standing next to each other.
3: That's definitely yeah, <laughs> Mike and
0: Emily.
2: <laughs> Mike and... Yeah. <laughs>
0: they certainly are standing next to each other Was
2: Mike and Emily.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, 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 the, oh, oh, go sorry. on. I would also say, like, Maddie and... Um, Nick, Nick from from uh, from, uh, from, uh, from Mystic, Mystic Force. Force. Mystic Why did I blank? I could see it in my head. I just could not get the name out. But like, I think they were like kind of like, they were trying to show that she had a crush on him and they were trying to do the whole romantic thing at the end, which I feel like could have worked if they showed their work a little bit more, but didn't really. <laughs> yeah.
2: But uh, what I liked a lot was like, Eddie was, he basically did very unlike Jake uh pursued uh Vesper in a way that was like he was struggling and he was trying to do this, but he was like, OK, I think you like me, so I'm going to keep going.
1: Exactly. It wasn't forceful. It wasn't neurotic. It wasn't anything wild. Vesper had a lot of reveals throughout the season, and he was allowing her the space to breathe before he moved yeah. in and said, Hey, I really like you. And I appreciated that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I feel like he rolls with the punches on those as much as Vesper does in terms of like
1: And talk about punches. He gets oh, punched oh, a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. So much. Oh my God. He very nearly dies in the second episode of the show. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like nearly dies in the second episode of the show. Like, he tells, like, Vesper nearly kills him at one point, when she's possessed yeah. by Venjix. Yeah. Um, at that point, she's like, well, I, like, and kind of gets dumped, like, halfway through the series when she finds out that she's a robot and, like, was created by Frax. Even though they weren't really dating, she's just like, I don't, like, I don't know what's going on with me, I need to focus on myself.
1: And, then, and she uh, just loves it. You know, yeah. he says, that's great. You know, you're my friend. I care about you no matter what, even if we're not together. And you need some room. That's real adult behavior in a franchise yeah. that becomes very little kiddish quickly sometimes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, like, the the ultimate gut punch had to be at the end when, like, he finally tells Vesper, I love you. She says, "I love you too," and then she fucking dies. Yeah, she
2: <laughs> fucking dies. It's
0: like, oh, poor Eddie. <laughs> I mean, obviously, she gets better through very weird beans, and we'll get into that. We'll get into those
2: <laughs> weird beans, but at, at George, what kind of what you said? It's like I wish that something this this show did show is how adults do approach relationships, or at least from yeah. what we've seen so far. Yeah, you know, because it's like.
0: You don't approach relationships like Jake did with Gia. Never. Oh, absolutely not. No. Just, like, the absolute weirdo, incel, online behavior. And it's just like... Oh, my goodness. Bro, she's not that into you. And it's It's just just like... That
2: is a lesbian.
0: Yeah, it's like okay. I was watching. I was watching Bound the other night for the first time. That movie fucking rules, by the way. Um, but there's like this <laughs> the the scene in the middle, and like if you've seen the movie, you probably know the one I'm talking about with the mobsters in the apartment, and young Chris Maloney as Johnny just keeps putting his hand around Jennifer Tilly as Violet, and she's clearly not into him, and he's oh, fucking oblivious, and it is like there's a lot going on in the scene because it involves like some like one guy thinks this other guy stole the money and it's like a whole intrigue scene like it's very it's very early wachowski's like set in the mind of mystery
1: uh, and
0: suspense
1: and those women love suspense mm -hmm. (laughs) and
0: so it's very that but it's like all this going on well on top of that you're just like Buddy, she is not into you. She is boning the maintenance girl next door. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah. So it was just like a lot of that kind of behavior was coming from Jake and Gia. But like at the end of the series, they're like, oh, yeah, clearly Gia liked him back or got nagged into liking him. It's like, oh, gross.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Let's stop talking about Megaforce. Let's go back to
0: the better force hyper force yes yes, okay um but yeah like we said we love eddie for just being able to kind of roll with the punches no matter how much life kind of just seems to kick his ass Um, including
1: having to meet his own
2: ancestor
1: yes (laughs) and eddie does come from we learn a 25 blue ranger long legacy of blue rangers all named eddie banks throughout the history of the franchise. We have yet to meet Eddie Banks the first and Eddie Banks the third through the 24th. (laughs) Uh, But we know that they're out there. Uh, He meets one of his ancestors when uh, Eddie Banks the second, when he goes to uh, the medieval era of England. (laughs) And you find out throughout the series, he's been... Uh, in an arranged kind of couple situation with the great 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 granddaughter of Kelsey Winslow from Lightspeed Rescue. And you find out that Kelsey is from a long legacy of Power Rangers as well, yellow rangers throughout Power Rangers history. So it connects those two characters, and we never know when we're gonna meet another Winslow, be it Bianca or Kelsey or one of their you know other family members, or a banks, which is really exciting. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's, okay. I feel like that's definitely going to be the Leo pointing at the screen moment whenever it happens again. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and I just, I did love the whole, and we'll probably touch back on the King Arthur episode multiple times. But I did love the fact that, like, it definitely reminded me a little bit of Mystic Knights in a way.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I definitely love that bit. I miss Mystic Knights.
0: Yes, Mystic. Mi- I wish people recognize Mystic Knights of Nog more as like the superior <laughs> of the Power Rangers, like yes. rip, like within house ripoffs, like yeah. Instead right? of the, it's
1: the best of them you know, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, alright, so we've talked, I think we've talked enough about Eddie, so let's move on to Jack Thomas who is Hyperforce Yellow, and the best thing way to describe Jack is that he is 30 or 40 years old, and he <laughs> does not need this! <laughs> <laughs> Literally, how he just feels
2: the entire time is just he is a much older adult among younger yes. adults to teenagers that are becoming adults.
1: Yes!
0: And, like, he, like, I think Georgia pointed out he's probably canonically in his early 50s, but like
1: But you had to make that joke.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, it's right there cuz that is just his entire energy throughout the entire show. Just like he's have the I adult grow- in the room and like he is surrounded by literal children.
2: <laughs> we haven't seen this since Cam.
0: Yeah, no. it's been and Cam, in that case, was just more of, like, he had to act like an adult for most of his career, well, his life. I, yeah. Canonically. But we all know it's because, like, his actor was, like, at least <laughs> 10 years older <laughs> than the rest of the cast. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, but, yeah, so he definitely in that case, he's the most adult Power Ranger we've encountered so far. Like... I think we have seen other adults as Power Rangers, obviously, because, like, you know, occasionally we'll pop in with, like, the older Rangers who, like, have since, like, aged out of Power Rangers or have gone on to other things, but they still have their Ranger powers, like you know adam or tommy or um tommy Tommy. was just sad and
2: divorced
0: tommy was sad and divorced yeah um (laughs) and really we don't get to know much about adam in ranger uh once a ranger besides the fact that he's older now and doesn't believe that tommy got his degree in paleontology
3: yes
2: (laughs) yeah and and then or you know it'd be like the mentor character like you know doggy kruger or Odonna, who, yes. you know, is, is left over from an older team that, you know, where her husband Lee and Bo and all were on.
0: Right. But yeah, Odonna was also dealing with her own shit through like most of <laughs> Poor Donna. <laughs> oh, she suffers so much. But yeah, it's like we're, we're
2: dealing with someone who's more of a full-time Power Ranger. And yeah, it's it's he is the most adult. And um I also love the first time I, I saw like kind of was like seeing him being played. This couldn't help but get JJ Bitten Binder vibes from the character at
0: first. Yeah. <laughs> street smarts. You're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, street smarts. Yeah, I think we made a couple street smarts jokes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just I just feel like I just want to hear Paul in his very serious like Jack Thomas voice go, "Now I've thrown him off his rhythm." <laughs> <laughs> also, I love the fact that like so, like, somebody had, like, managed to interview the real J.J. Bittenbinder about, his, like, the whole mention in the John Mulaney special, and apparently the only real issue he had about any of that was the fact that John, uh, like, John claimed that he came in wearing a cowboy hat, and he said, "'I never wore a cowboy hat to meet with the kids.'" I only wore that out for ranching days. It's like that's your that's your main beef, not the whole like. (laughs) As Sid pointed out, the could tell the price of a child's coffin by looking at him line, (laughs) which was
2: also Jack's vibe.
0: Yeah, I feel like yeah, that's definitely Jack from being a beat cop for like twenty some odd years before joining Time Force. He could
2: just look at a person and know the price of their coffin.
0: Oh, uh, I I only hope that the hyper, not the hyperforce, but it's hyperforce slash time force future has like, yes, more democratic, not not democratic, but more like that they actually take care of their death well and not just like thrusting upon them thousands of dollars worth of cost because like the funeral oh industrial no. complex is a nightmare.
1: <laughs> Everyone should be cremated. Everyone.
0: No, not just that. It's just more of like. You should have choices in what you actually want done with your body. Whether you want it cremated yeah. or buried in the earth. Not just, we're going to embalm your compose. body. Or decompose, yes! Like, body, uh, yeah, decompose naturally. Or having your body composted. Like, yeah. like, you should have those options. They should be free. You should not have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars and go into debt for a fucking expensive-ass coffin that's going in a, a concrete vault and you're embalmed, so it takes you forever to degrade, and like it's bad for the environment, and it's bad for the people who have to embalm you because it's yeah. carcinogenic. <laughs> yeah, like okay, we're
2: we're getting, uh, yeah, we're, we're and this is Ashley as a uh, death advocate here. Yeah, so. I, I
0: I am I am very much on the death positivity like death advocate train. So like, if you want to know more about Aquamation, I can send you links. <laughs>
3: which
2: i i really uh on that note it's like thanks to you i found out about like uh being turned into compost and i wish that was available in north carolina
0: yeah hopefully soon it's getting um legalized in more states so fingers yeah, crossed yeah.
2: fingers crossed aquamation is legalized here though.
0: good um so hopefully we have more uh aquamation centers pop up versus like just crematoriums okay um uh, get us ba- back ba- on track here but still on the deaf topic
2: is uh jack's whole background is
1: darkness yes, yes. He's no very parents.
3: much
2: <laughs> no yes, parents
1: he, he's raised by his grandparents and a robot dog and they're viciously killed by mutants he's and batman. He, yeah he's basically <laughs> batman i'm I think sometimes even more like a Peter Parker because it was his grandparents who raised him. Uh, yeah. And, and he, uh, you know, th- they get killed by mutants, which is much more exciting than in time force. When the mutants were like, I avoided a traffic cone and walk, walked jaywalk down the street and I've been imprisoned for a hundred years, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's just like, God uh, damn. Um, that's not a very violent crime. And you just, froze them for a nope. hundred years
1: but but jack's family was murdered by mutants you know so that's a, a you wonder why a man becomes a cop you know <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah um any he, but he, he also had a robot dog that at some point passed away it was ford right
1: Forge was his name. Okay. Very much like, like you think Rick from SPD, the robotic interactive canine, mm-hmm. or the other one that was with uh, the gorilla guy from SPD. And like that, but like the future version of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and yeah, so like it, they end up like in a trippy episode that where they keep seeing things from their past that kind of are haunting them. Uh it is literally the robotic dog
2: the robotic dog haunts you oh.
0: now we've had several cops on power rangers obviously like we've touched on spd and how much we fucking hate sky um uh, <laughs> the con- worst yeah the worst <laughs> um and then obviously we have time force like yeah like you can like they try to make them a little less Coppish than normal cops, but they're still like time traveling, like police officers who arrest like a downtrodden race of mutants. That
1: oh, the, those poor mutants, those poor mutants.
0: I mean, <sighs> thankfully, we reached an accord with most with, with I think most of mutant kind by the end of time. Force,
1: so yes, yes, yeah. and hopefully it changed the future a little because that time force future looked pretty, you know, utopian and not in a good way to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, the whole, like, oh yeah, we genetically modify all of our children, it's like,
1: okay. And no, and no sugar? No sugar. No sugar. Mm. Yeah, ugh.
0: This is like, it's like, not the worst version of Gattaca, but you know.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, you hadn't thought about that one in a while, had you? <laughs> um... <laughs> But I would say yeah, we would think that Jack out of all the cops we've met on Power Rangers, he is the most cop of all cops on Power Rangers.
2: Yeah, he's he's yeah. very he he feel like he would fit into like um like a 90s to early 2000s law and order episode.
0: Oh, yes. yeah. Like he yeah, he, he feels he d- Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry, he'd be the first person to die in an episode of Torchwood. That's the vibe.
0: Yeah, he's, he's he's a cop procedural cop. I think you know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's very
2: like very like like I said like definitely like a law and order comes off kind of like a younger uh, Briscoe uh, detective Briscoe. I feel just okay. kind of like <laughs> old and like a little like he's he's about to get that a little embitterment. Um, definitely a lot like Detective Munch, who's too much like you know a uh, uh, a jokester. I think like pemberton from uh detective pemberton from um homicide life at the street he has a little bit of that too yes. um this is very very serious
0: so oh. i i didn't really watch much law and order so i just leave that to sid to make or, those comparisons or, or
1: homicide life on the street or well, homicide life on the
0: streets yeah
1: well <laughs> i am a die hard dick wolf verse fan yeah. uh I my dad and I watch all 3 law and orders currently on the air Law and Order, SVU and uh uh Organized, or, organized crime, crime every yeah. single week and never miss an episode. We watch all the Chicago, One Chicago shows. We we very much love procedurals in this house and Jack is very much one of those characters. Yeah,
2: yeah. He's very yike. Yeah, oh my god, like I'm trying to remember um a- A- he also reminds you of Ames from uh, Criminal Intent.
1: Shout oh. out to Criminal Intent, my favorite Law and Order. Oh, I miss it every day. I do too. I, <laughs> I miss seeing Vinny Dinoff on my screen. That yeah. beautiful, beautiful man.
2: <laughs> uh, I guess moving on, but uh, one of the things we wanted to also touch on, uh, it's always nice to see Paul. Oh, yes. Yes.
1: He finally got to become a ranger, you know? That is the coolest thing in the world. And the episode where Aisha shows up and Karen Ashley has to contain her excitement because it's bulk next to her, but it's not, is the coolest thing in the world. And they were just... Touching on each other, giddy like schoolgirls the <laughs> whole time they were together because they have this shared, maybe traumatic bonding experience <laughs> together. I love you like traumatic because, yeah, working under those conditions somewhat. Yeah,
0: you know. I don't blame them, but like, yeah, I think that that, that definitely was, I think, yeah, because I think she was the only one who really worked with him during that time period. So, like, yeah, yeah, like it yeah. is it's got to be exciting to see like your your castmate who, you know, is probably one of the most beloved characters in Power Rangers. Yes. Everybody
3: loves Bulk.
0: Oh yeah. You know.
2: Yeah. And um also like, you know, I think she was around during the time when he was like learning how to direct with Power Rangers and all that. Yeah. So, you know, it's like Obviously these people see each other at conventions but it's always it's always good to see people you know you're just happy.
0: Oh yeah. And like I did love the one little bit when they in the Shattered Grid episode because I had cuz we had only briefly touched on Shattered Grid when we did our go go um overview our first half of go go overview um way back at the beginning of the podcast. Yes. And so I remembered that Bulk was a character in that oh but like i
1: had that's the best bulk too <laughs>
0: oh I can't, I can't wait to get yeah. shattered grid like next year it's gonna be so good
1: you're um, gonna have so much fun
0: yeah so but I, I had totally forgotten until then bulk was like a character in shattered grid until like zach at some point comes up and like introduces himself as bulk oh <laughs> and paul what a t-
3: great moment
0: <laughs> yeah, and, yeah i love paul kind of doing the whole like Get like a little bit of the stink guy, but also doing a little bit of the Spider Man point. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh man, it was just so it was just one of those like great moments in the in the show of just like having him interact with his past self in that way, I guess. <laughs> Is the best way to put that.
2: Yeah. Something I think you noted, George, was uh he's kinda he's the first like uh, you know, fat or plus size power ranger we've seen like this is the first time we've actually seen body diversity in power rangers
1: yes this what i remember crying my head off the day that hyper force was even revealed mm-hmm. because i finally had a power ranger with a body like mine it was such a huge dynamic important thing that i'd been clamoring for my entire life was to have a power ranger with a body like mine and here comes a fan favorite performer from the history of the show. And right at that time, especially in my life, I was kind of at my biggest and starting my weight loss journey. And I wanted a body like Jack's that was as beefy as it was big. And to have a character like that was so empowering to me.
0: Yeah. And I could totally, hmm. I could definitely see that in terms of like, because I, I know for myself, you know, being a plus size woman, there's not really been many characters like that in Power Rangers. Like,
1: no. And no. it's just a start, you know. Yeah, obviously. There, there, there's always room for improvement and so much more diversity that this franchise needs. Yeah. That's the one. It's the one angle of the franchise that always needs to be worked on uh you know it doesn't matter what a suit looks like it doesn't matter who has what zord who has this who gets a battleizer who does this it matters who is in that suit and what type of person they are right. yeah. and you know this franchise is more about the you know the you see the reflection in those helmets mm-hmm. and you see yourself but if if someone like you has never been in one of those suits you're just projecting, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, and now we have so much new type of types of diversity that began during things like hyperforce Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's just ever expanding and it needs to continue. We need disabled Rangers. We need differently abled Rangers. We need, you know, Rangers who are all types of queer and within the LGBTQ plus community, we need, Rangers that are from different parts of the world and are tall and skinny and big and stout and everything in between and in every intersectional identity and race, you know, <laughs> and it starts with Jack.
0: Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a huge
1: pivotal point.
0: <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like something that a phrase that's often used for, to like to talk about Star Trek of uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. yeah. yeah. And I feel like, I think we, yeah, we are starting to see a little bit more with that within Power Rangers. And Obviously, it's something that they've really, you know, they try to pride themselves on, you know. They were, a very, like, a very diverse show in the 90s when, like, you know, it definitely was that, oh, we have one of everything kind of diversity that was kind of well-known in the 90s. Yes. Um, but, like, obviously, you know, we have, like, we're kind of reaching these hallmarks of, like, you know, you have somebody like Izzy, who's the first woman to be a Green Ranger, while also being the, first, the show's, like, first out lesbian character. Um, yeah. You know, you're still it, reaching these hallmarks it, with Black characters across the board, like... Yes. Um, so It like, took till
2: Dino Charge for them to actually consider casting a Black woman for a Pink Ranger. Oh.
0: Which is wild to think about, honestly. Yeah. It's like, obviously, we've had, like, these amazing black women on the show, but like the fact that it took them that long to have them be like the Pink Ranger, like
1: yes. is wild and to think about. That is one thing, you know, they they have to fight against things like Iris Hampton would not cast two black people in Mega Force. Oh, uh what? You you had Sunday Love, who was a contestant on America's Next Top Model, mm-hmm. who auditioned and made it to the final decision to be Gia, the yellow Megaforce Ranger, and they had already cast John Mark Loudermilk as Noah, the Blue Ranger, and they said, I'm sorry, Iris Hampton walked up to her and said, I'm sorry, but we already have one of you.
2: Oh, oh my, my God. God! I'm sorry to laugh at it, but Jesus! And, and that's being that fucking
1: racist. And she is still part of casting in this franchise uh, to this day. I think, and maybe maybe until Dino Fury happened. Wow! Uh, so wow! That, oh my God. that's a, a huge thing. And Mr. Saban played a part in all of that too, and a lot of the creatives back then as well. I'm not going to name every person, but. There, there have been just as many people fighting on the right side of things too, but their voices were mellowed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like we, like we at least been aware of like them trying. Ugh, why am I spacing on her name right now? I'm like, I, I from um Dino Fury, not Dino Fury, uh, Dino Thunder.
3: Um, oh,
2: Emma Lahana. Yeah, are you talking about a, yeah, are you talking about a writer?
0: No, no, yeah, writer. No, but now I'm talking about the character. Like,
1: oh, okay, yeah, um, like Kira Ford.
0: No, not Kira. Uh not not okay. a ranger, the Um Oh yeah, Haley. H- Haley, yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, hey. I'm like, sorry, the, the names exit as you can tell, sometimes the names will just exit my brain as soon as we are done with a Power Rangers season. Even if like I really <laughs> like that season, I really like that character. So it is nothing against the series. I am not abandoning like this information as soon as we keep going. It is literally my brain can only like store so much information <laughs> at the top. Um <laughs> But yeah, we knew about them wanting to kind of hint that Haley was a lesbian. That they just never got a chance to really like record that.
1: Yes, and that very much appears also in Hyperforce. We'll get to that.
0: Mm-hmm. That.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll then,
0: get to that. and that I think also like you talked about like the you know neurodivergence within Power Rangers. Like, yeah, I yes. think Billy from twenty seventeen was a good start.
1: Yes, a good start yeah. in the way that Trini in that same movie was something.
2: Yeah, was, actually it, it, I'm going to say that was better than Trini because one, Billy stated he was autistic, two, yes. they definitely did a lot of research on how autistic people can can act and other yeah, than, you yeah. know, fucking Sheldon from
1: whatever. Big the Bang Theory, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Like I like they like RJ Seiler was definitely interested in like having a more nuanced portrayal of autism, and like while he's not autistic himself, he was still kind of, you know, looking into how autistic people act. And yes, like, and Billy was in info dumping like and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? like, but it's still he's not like he's not an asshole. He's not because he's he's not like an asshole genius. He's just like mm-hmm. he's he's Billy. And, like, so I feel like you had a good start there, and I would love to see them have more neurodivergence, like, carry out throughout, or, like, more stated neurodivergence. Because, honestly, yeah, Yeah. we have several characters on the show that you could, like, I I have clearly projected on in this fucking podcast. Yeah. Dr. K. Um.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tyler uh, Navarro.
0: Yes. (laughs) I'm Tyler (laughs) Navarro. This is my wallet. Um. Honestly, I would say a good chunk of, the, I would say that most of the Dino Charge cast is, not cast, yes, but like, yes. that most of the Dino Charge rangers are autistic in some way. Or <laughs> ADHD ner- and Chase, yeah. yeah. You know, but. I think we said the the one who is actually neurotypical is Coda, and we just don't yeah. realize it because he's a caveman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, he,
2: but, um. No, I I definitely, I agree with you. Like, more disability, more, a lot of the stuff needs to be more yeah. in the show.
1: That, that, and it can be multifaceted as well. You can have so many layers to characters that, you know, mm-hmm. we, finally, we're getting to the point in the franchise where characters have so many dimensions going on with them. They're not just rangers all the time, and they're not just, you know, like uh, almost uh, not stereotypes, but tropes—walking tropes. You know, yeah. I, I look back to Megaforce and Samurai as much as I love them. They are walking tropes and not characters most of the time. Yep. Yeah. You
0: know, <laughs> kind of speaking uh, about characters that we project a lot of our neurodivergence on. <laughs> oh,
1: uh, and a new form of representation. <laughs> yeah, seriously.
0: Yes. Uh, we have Vesper Vasquez, who is our Hyperforce Black Ranger.
1: The um, first female Black Ranger.
2: She's, you know, this this uh, color is normally denoted for um, males. So she, that's kind of neat.
0: Yeah, and also she's, and a,
1: she's so great.
0: Yeah, she's great. I think she's probably my favorite character on Hyper yeah, Force. she's one of mine, too. Um, and I guess, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: big note here. She's a, we, we talked about, she's a goddamn robot.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and as Sid noted nothing but respect for my favorite terminator <laughs> there's a lot of feel of
2: like you know terminator 2 influence there with how she would just sometimes ask questions
0: oh for sure like it reminded me a lot of um cameron in sarah connor chronicles in a way yeah after, like yeah she clearly has more understanding of humanity and again she doesn't even find out she's a robot until like vengeance yeah Vengex when she that gets possessed by Benjix.
1: a huge thing you know that was and it sets things up for another incarnation coming your way pretty soon Maybe. and it, it's a uh, pretty exciting she that turn when she turns evil is so well thought out and so meticulously done that i remember people recording videos of themselves crying When Vesper made that heel turn. Oh Oh my goodness.
0: I can can imagine. Like that is a lot. That was like a big moment. Like within the series. Especially like early on. Where I think they were still trying to figure stuff out. And then like as soon as that happened. I think it kind of took the series into another gear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That is the tipping point. You know you have some fun before that. And then. Boy when that switch twists it is the biggest thing in the world
0: so um as as sid noted here christina v plays yet another sad time traveling lesbian
2: more of a bi lesbian but still yeah very very much very much a distraught time traveling lesbian here
0: yeah because the first one being (laughs) she played Homura in and the and madoka Madoka. and the modoka dub yeah it's just, oh my god, I hadn't even realized that because I don't think I ever saw the Madoka dub. So, like, I didn't even realize she was Madoka. Uh, I didn't even realize she was Homura in that.
2: I was just looking up, like, I think, like, other voice acting roles she did and I'm like,
1: really, she was Homura?
0: Yeah. <laughs> she was also Sailor Mars, if I remember right.
1: Yes, she is. She is very much Ray. That is.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, there's even parts in, like, where Vesper is giving very big ray energy, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Vesper is a chaotic anime magical girl in Power Rangers and a robot at the same time, which yeah. should not work, but it does, and it makes her the best Black Ranger of all time, in my opinion. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, she's that's I, that is part of what makes her great is that she is just runs on total chaos in her body. Yeah. Like, Sure, she may have a power source, but it's run by chaos, I'm fairly certain.
2: Yeah, that was... She just would just do things that were just like, oh my god, why'd you do that?
1: And it's because Christina V was bored and decided to make chaos. And that's what makes Vesper so great. She's just... Making food here, starting fires over here, killing someone over here, and then goes out for a frappuccino when she's done. That's terrifying, and it's the best.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I like You mentioned kind of would do stuff because she's bored. It's definitely one of those things where it's like when there are players that do kind of run on chaos and they can be just sometimes the worst people in the room. She definitely, it didn't seem like the other players were mad at Christina V for going off like this.
1: she would kind of lighten the room up when things would get heavy, too. She was so, so good at that, you know? And it's because she probably has the most experience with RPGs of any of the players that were Rangers. Yeah, because she also definitely helped move the plot along the most, too.
0: Like, kind of talking about the lightning up in the room thing, like, the whole, like, at the end, like, towards the end, where, like, Vesper dies, and, like, they're trying to figure out, like, how to bring her back. And, like, that's when they reveal the whole, like, oh, yeah, she backed her, her like, memory up and, like, stuck it in Alpha. Yes,
1: <laughs> and, and licked alpha to give her the dna or give them the dna you know so wild the things that she did to set things up
0: yeah and just like just her acting as vesper through alpha for those last two episodes was comedy gold i'm
2: actually glad she rolled badly for it because i think you know if she was she rolled very well vesper would have had all of her memories and stuff like that but no she rolled poorly.
0: And it's, yes. and it's just absolute peak Vesper chaos yeah oh. like trying to figure
2: out who I am but I know I'm an agent of chaos
0: <laughs> and yeah cause like as Sid noted here in her notes is that she causes a lot of things that are important in Power Rangers because she's just absolutely dicking around
2: yeah cause we're just kind of going over like everything she did and I'm like oh my god I can't believe she caused all this because she was just dicking around
1: she is the reason in legendary battle that all of the ships of the Armada blow up she put, <laughs> she she puts a uncorrupted version of the Vengex virus inside of a mega force morpher and it blows up all of the armada's ships and then that megaforce morpher is then picked up. By grid battle force in the ruins of that battle and starts the plot of Beast Morphers. Wow. <laughs> I wow. I, I
2: cannot fucking wait to get to Beast Morphers.
1: <laughs> Hyper Force is essential to beast morphers. And oh. y'all have so much to look forward to.
0: I'm I cannot wait. Very excited. Uh, because I haven't yeah. I haven't watched any beast morphers in like two years. So like it's you know, so yeah. good.
1: It's so. so good. It is this is the start of the good era of power Rangers. <laughs> this After is the, we're going back Ninja to the Steel, good shit. <laughs> you, you've got to suffer for a while through Ninja Steel, and once you are done, you have shattered grid and Beyond the Grid, Necessary Evil, The Altarian War, you have Dino Fury, Beast Morphers, and then Cosmic Fury and the 30th anniversary coming up. You are going to be eating good from now on. You even got the crummier comics out of the way like the Godzilla one. You got that, <laughs> you got that done early.
0: Yeah, it's true. Like It's, it's going to be very interesting doing uh, Ninja Steel next month of like, uh, yeah, weird to drop this in the middle of the podcast, but I'm getting a hysterectomy at the beginning of November, so <laughs> we're gonna try to watch, like, some of Ninja Steel while I'm on a Painkillers. <laughs> You're gonna be so fucking <laughs> high. Uh, it'll be great, or terrible, we'll find out. <laughs> it, might, it might make it better. Maybe!
2: <laughs> it might be, uh, I'm on Painkillers, so man, that fart joke. I'm just gonna nod <laughs> through it.
0: Yep, yeah. I just gotta... <laughs> We're just gonna punch through it at the end of the year here. Come on, we can do it. Um we can do it. But anyway, um and as George also noted, because we had not put oh. this together until you said something and it just clicked yes. on in our head about like so when Vesper gets her body back in the last episode, <laughs> uh she kind of she ends up describing her form, which she has longer hair and cybernetic attachments. And I think she still has the robot arm from.
1: Yes. The burrito launching robot arm, a big black hat, some very, very specific sunglasses. And she's describing herself as Stephanie, Joanne Germanotta herself, <laughs> lady Gaga in the, the music video for you and I from the born this way era. and. If you go search that music video right now, that is what Vesper looks like today in 2022. <laughs> that And it's because Christina V is a huge fan of Gaga like I am. And she loves she's a she's a little monster through and through and decided, "Hey, if Andre can be Sonic as a Power Ranger, I am Lady Gaga." <laughs>
0: which <laughs> you know what fair and which made me put the the idea in my head of like so when she's or t- and she's being vespero in the past is she just being medieval joe calderon <laughs>
1: And, you know, after you mentioned that during our last discussion, I went back and watched the episode and she describes herself as having, you know, uh, Vespero. He has a white T-shirt, a a dirty white T-shirt on, uh, some jeans, black (laughs) slick back hair, not the white hair that Vesper has, which didn't make any sense. And then a drawn on a bit of facial hair. And that is Vespero. (laughs) I didn't even connect. It is Joe Calderon. <laughs> I was
0: right. I was just kind of making a joke and I was right.
1: That's it. I, you should have heard me. I wish we recorded that. I just fell off my elliptical. <laughs> oh my God. Apollo hit me with the dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh but yeah i just like i just love that little detail that is just one of those things i think only really comes around from like if you have like people at your table just kind of making shit up
2: oh. <laughs> i'm gonna take this from the lady gaga video oh yeah like
1: yeah, i'm a big fan of drawfee on youtube and they have a show called Draw drawtectives which is an rpg a tabletop rpg mm-hmm. and it's very interactive, and you have Karina Farik, who is very much a Christina V-style player, and it's the same thing. Just throw in these K-pop references in the middle of a show that's set, you know, in a different time period and stuff, and just <laughs> expect the DM to run with it. That's
0: <laughs> amazing. Like,
1: like, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I basically
2: play Alex Shelley in my current game. So, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, my like when I played the the Dresden Files like game, my character was basically like she was kind of a Becky Lynch type. Um, yeah, but she was a she was a Nixie Changeling pro wrestler. So, I just I just find it
2: funny. I just realized like, oh no, he was very like like my character Bob was very inspired by uh, Alex Shelley. I, I blame you.
0: <laughs> yes, good. Um
2: <laughs> he's just an architect college student and everything, and he's also pro wrestling. Nice. He can talk to animals.
0: <laughs> okay, that's adorable. <laughs> All right. Um, so obviously with the fact that Vesper is a robot, we have to put her on the Rangers um robot gender scale.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we came up with randomly one day i think it was kurt yeah about genders because when, when we were basically talking about androids you would automatically think honey and i would think data
0: and it <laughs> still happens so yeah <laughs> for, so we just put her on the scale now generally we say she's somewhere in the sister Mickey range of androids yeah. yeah um in the fact that i think okay i here's what i said when we were writing this episode I think, yes, she's got very much a personality and put together like Sister Miki, but she has the absolute chaos without the unhinged, like, obsessive behavior of Yuki.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> also, we're going we're
2: gonna, to oh. make George watch this show eventually.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, <laughs> it is, Cutie Honey the Live is very weird, but I still love it. And, like, it has an official release now, so go check that out from Discotech. Discotech. So Buy that, buy that Blu-ray from Discotech so we can get more Tokusatsu from the the U.S. And Cutie Honey, and Cutie Honey, please. I'm just, I'm waiting for them to license Cutie Honey more. Flash or re Cutie Honey or the Hidekiano movie. I'll take tears at this point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and um, another thing we mentioned, um, neurodivergent, a bit of a neurodivergent mood.
0: And, yeah, I mean, you. Could, I feel like you could write some of that off with her being, you know, a robot. So, therefore, she does not understand how humans work. But, like, also... Much before like Data. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but even before, like, we realized she was a robot, like, she's still a neurodivergent mood because she's extremely blunt. Yeah. And, like, she asks people questions all the time. Like, it seems like she's being annoying, but she's, like, literally, she's like, I don't understand this. So I'm going to ask. So I'm going to ask and you're going to explain it to me. (laughs) (laughs) And like, yeah, I think she's just very, like, she's just very direct in terms of like, like, who she is, what she asks, what she demands of people. And also, she's also kind of weird. But again, that's because she's a chaos, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, she'll sing to the people of Corinth (laughs) 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 as she's their new leader or something like that. (laughs)
1: Which is a Gokaiger reference.
0: Oh my god, I hadn't even realized it was a Gokaiger reference. Yes, that's a
1: Gokaiger reference to uh, Princess Ahim. And she she starts singing to the people, and uh, Captain Marvelous stops it, and Marv stops Vesper. Oh my my God. god.
0: Oh, man. So, but yes... We also noted that Vesper is very much the autistic buddy to our next ranger, who is very much the ADHD buddy. Oh, and, my and,
1: favorite ranger of all time.
0: And she's getting up there for me too, honestly. And that, yeah, would
2: be, Chloe's great. So Chloe Ashford, Chloe
0: Ash- Ashford, our hyperforce pink, who is—it's just an absolute cinnamon roll of a character. Yeah, oh,
2: too, too pure for this world. Too good. <laughs> really, too good. Um, and she's she's definitely kind of that ADHD mood, uh, you know, kind of l- that lol random girl, you know. Like, yeah, one hundred
1: percent. She is a like a twenty thirteen Tumblr girl, one hundred percent. And it just, you know, she she was very much. She was the, you know, all the other girls were horse girls around her, and she was the dolphin gay. Among them. oh
0: oh definitely she had I I just could see in my mind she had like a Disney bounding print Pinterest board
1: yes oh my and God. Not Megan as well that is
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um but yeah as we noted gay gay homosexual
0: gay oh yes like ridiculous especially so in the um in the king arthur episode which i think is probably one of the most important episodes Mm -hmm. in the series in terms of like things that happen yeah and just like she is crushing so hard on guinevere for that
1: entire
0: episode
1: And that was intentional. That was written into the episode. And then uh, there's an article on Den of Geek that Seamus Kelly uh, wrote where he interviewed or they interviewed Megan and said, uh, you know, what was up with that? And Megan said it was very much the thing that we wanted was we wanted Chloe to be bisexual and be. You know, with Guinevere by the end of the series and because of scheduling conflicts and Saban Brand's intervention, it didn't end up happening and it was never confirmed, even though it's pretty obvious.
0: Yeah, like it is. It's one of those things that like it's the very blatantly like even though they can't say she's bisexual, it is very obvious that Chloe is bisexual and Megan is playing her as such.
1: Yes, 100%. Like the Rileys and Montes before her. <laughs>
0: mm, yes, 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 yes. Um, And something else you noted about her character is that she is kind of a tomboy slob.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, which is one of my favorite tropes. I always fall for those kind of characters because that's the opposite of who I am. And it's just, <laughs> it's endearing to me. You know, that's the. Uh, I was always the guy who was a little effeminate and was, you know, straight as a pin clean about everything that I do. And like my sister was a tomboy slob. So I love that kind of character. You know, that I've <laughs> always, I've just had such great affection for that kind of character because I was the one who was always cleaning up the mess.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there's like, me who's, who's a clean
2: freak at, it, in my heart.
0: I, I guess but not I, in theory. I, yeah. And not in theory. <laughs> I guess I am the tomboy slob of the podcast. (laughs) Um, But yeah. You're more of of like,
2: oh my god, this is too much. I'm gonna go cry now. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh god, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yeah, because it's just like the whole bit's about like, I I I just would love the little running jokes about like she would stuff all the burritos under her bed and we're like it was yes. aging them even though it was starting to smell bad or like she just would never change out of her battleizer and it was starting to like <laughs> stink. stink.
1: <laughs> when have you ever heard of a ranger suit stinking? <laughs> like, those poor those poor morphin masters within the grid. Thank goodness they don't have human noses anymore, because my goodness <laughs>
0: <laughs> like does the does the grid have a smell?
1: huh, huh. I don't know it
0: It's one of those <sighs> things that you like you never think about, but it's like, oh, you know, people ask if space has a smell. Sorry for the shower thoughts happening in the middle of this podcast. It was
1: smell. I'm gonna DM Melissa and ask right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're on
2: a podcast, and uh, does the Morphe Grid have a smell?
1: Yeah, that's it. that's it. I'll ask. I'll ask Allison, who's the editor of the comics. I'll ask Melissa, who's <laughs> writing the comics right now and worked on Hyperforce. Uh, I can DM Malika. I could DM a lot of people. That's. I'll get ten different answers, but it'll be fascinating.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> like Rangers playing lights to know does the dwarfing grid hat of the smell.
1: <laughs> I'm tweeting it right now.
0: Oh, I'm going to tweet it
1: right now. And if we get an answer by the end of the episode, I'll let everybody know, or I'll tweet it out later.
0: Thank you. Okay. Um. So, but yeah, it's kind of a run, big running thing with Chloe is that she loves food because, like, obviously, since there's no sugar in the future. When she discovers candy corn within the third episode, she just goes fucking crazy for it. Motherfucker,
2: oh. like, we're missing this in the future.
0: <laughs> I, just, so I just read a comic by Kyle Stark's called The Six Um The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. Uh, which is kind of um it's a murder mystery comic that's a comedy action as well about these six former actors who worked with this action, like this TV action star named Trigger Keaton, who's supposed to be like Chuck Norris or something like that. And like one of the characters, her name is Alison St. Marie. And she is just an absolute, she's very much like Chloe and that she is a kick-ass, like Kung Fu or like, um, practitioner. Who can, like, just beats the shit out of anybody she fights. But she's super bubbly and pink. And, like, in the comic, like, she drinks, like, a margarita for the first time ever. And she's just like, oh, I love this. And gets super plastered. (laughs) But still manages to fight an entire biker gang, pukes and rallies. And they make her an unofficial member. (laughs) Wow and i'm just like I, I love allison she's great and by the end of the comic they end up like on a like all of them end up on a power rangers like tv show oh my goodness That's
1: awesome I'm yeah i have to look that up
0: it is a really funny book and chris like kyle starks and chris Schweizer are just a great like they've worked on like three or four comics together and it's just been great every time um but yeah so i was just kind of it's like yeah like her and allison are just very similar in terms of just like bubbly and also like when they discover things that they've kind of like been kept away from it just sets off all of the little like um electrical like currents in their brain (laughs) yeah so and then like she discovers burritos and that becomes like her personality for so much of the series so much (laughs) so
2: she gives vesper a burrito arm (laughs) (laughs)
1: and the burritos thing uh was gonna be chili cheese dogs because of the sonic connection with andre azetti and one day it was the the day that they filmed the halloween episode the first halloween episode uh And Melissa Flores, who was the former executive, you know, to the Power Rangers brand at Saban Brands and then Hasbro and is now currently writing the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic at Boom Studios, decided to bring burritos for everyone. And then they loved the burritos so much they demanded them every week and found a way to work them into the episodes. And <laughs> it was because of Megan that that happened. And that's the kind of power I want in the world.
0: <laughs> so, but even then, the burrito stuff just brings in a lot of humor. Um, like I yes, one hundred
1: percent. Even even the official Hyperforce shirts that they they had at the end of the series. It says it's time for burritos instead of time for time force. And it has a big burrito on it with some candy corn stuffed into it. And uh, mine is just about so faded from working out over the years. And I wish I, I could get another, but it was only available then. But the burrito is forever synonymous with hyperforce.
0: Yeah. Like, and all because Chloe just absolutely loves her some burritos. <laughs> <laughs> Um and then like obviously something that we kind of haven't really touched on yet is obviously Chloe has a big bubbly personality and she's very like lol random and unicorns and rainbows and burritos and candy corn and sugar 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 but she is hiding so much sadness and angst
1: Oof. Like, and I I couldn't have had this character come into my life at a more perfect time. She she loses her what she thinks is both of her parents when she's a kid in a fire is what she's told. Mm-hmm. She comes home from school and her house is gone. Her parents are gone. Everyone she's ever known is gone. She goes into the system and when she's old enough, joins the Time Force Academy so that she has a stable place to live and secretly hopes to find out what happened in that fire. And throughout the series boy oh boy does she find out and it yeah. is traumatic it's yeah. heartbreaking but she's that type of character uh i i always associate this time period with paramore's after laughter album and the whole point of that album is that it sounds happy but the lyrics are the saddest yeah. that, that band ever released and it it I had just lost my mom myself then, and I was at my biggest, and Hyperforce, like I said with Jack, is kind of the reason why, one of the big reasons I started working out. And the other thing was, uh, I smile wherever I go, even when I'm at my lowest, and I'm joking and I'm laughing, but I'm always a laugh away from a tear. And Mm -hmm. I've always related to Chloe because of that, and that time period. It's why I love Hyperforce so much. You know, is Chloe because I related to that character so much? It's palpable what Megan brought to that character, and Megan gives a whirlwind—no pun intended—of a performance.
2: Yeah, no, it's she's like Chloe is just one of my favorite characters I've seen. I I can say this a lot about the Hyperforce characters of allowing people that really kind of fleshed them out, they're kind of some of the, the better characterizations i have seen in Power Rangers, but yes. yeah, she she's definitely, uh, the song I remember most from After Laughter is Fake Happy.
3: Yes, oh, yeah. that is and Chloe. And that, that is, is Chloe. Chloe.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to sing it, I don't think people want to hear it, because I'm still trying to train my new voice, but uh, <laughs> she like that particular song is like Chloe, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because I'm like, oh yeah, because it's like, she is that bubbly personality, and she's you know, I've been there before, too, and it's just, it's normally they kind of hide pain, like I don't want to approach this pain right now. I rather read thats me. That, oh, yeah.
1: that is me now that was me then. and back then, especially, I was so lonely, and I was so much you know figuring out how to live again. Mm. and she was this character who was fighting every day of her life, but with a smile, and that smile was tinged with sadness. She had the opposite of a resting bitch face. She had a resting smile, which is me. You know, that's mm. a lot of people would never know I'm in pain when I'm in pain because I, I hide it good. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. I think, you know, I think that's something that like I think we can all kind of experience with between the three of us. Is that like, yeah. You know, Uh, like, my boss joked the other day, again, well, one of my managers joked the other day, and, like, I think some people came to my defense on this, and I was just like, I know he was kidding, like, absolutely, and he was not saying it with any maliciousness, because, obviously, I think he knows that I deal with a lot at work, um, but he said, oh, like, he made this joke about, like, just, he's, like, I asked him how he was doing, and he's like, oh, god, everything's just... It's happening so much, and, like, it's been, I'm just so stressed out, and again, very tongue-in-cheek, and he's like, unlike you, who experiences no stress, and I just go, ha! (laughs) (laughs) You know, the way you make it sound like he's just, like, unlike, you know, I think, yeah, very
2: tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. I think, also hinting, you also are probably experiencing shit.
0: Yeah, no, like, it's, yeah, but, like, people, like, I, I am very, you know, I am somebody who is very... Bubbly and like, like not always happy, but I am very enthusiastic about stuff and like, yeah, um, I'm very bad at resting bitch face, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that is definitely what makes Chloe very relatable. Is the kind it is again that she is carrying so much, and you don't even really realize it until like that one episode where she sees that illusion of her mom yeah yeah
1: and it is heartbreaking it is one of my favorite performances i'd say my three favorite performers to ever be in power rangers are olivia Tennant as dr k obviously Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's megan megan camarena as chloe ashford especially for that scene and the stuff in the finale and when you get to it hunter dino as amelia jones in dino fury it's just yeah you're gonna have such a ball with dino fury
0: i am so excited to get to dino fury honestly yeah um that should be in the middle of next year by the way if you are wondering for podcast purposes anybody listening to this later yeah um and then we as we noticed she's the first uh woman and non-red ranger to have a battleizer in the series like Oh, I feel like
1: we finally I got justice for Corone. Yes, yes, exactly.
0: It's like I will still and just be forever mad about that moment from Lost Galaxy, as Corone is the one who goes through the emotional journey to that ep- through that episode to and unlock then the battle. I it to
1: her golden retriever. Yes. Yeah, it's like
2: here we're gonna give it to this
1: to your um your emotional support, himbo.
0: Yep, that's Leo. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: While we're there, can we talk about how everyone goes on and on about Leo and that shirt rip when Damon was the hot one in that episode? I want justice for that moment.
2: <laughs> I think we've <laughs> talked about this, too. It's like, they had a really hot cast, and yeah, Damon was definitely the hot one. Yes. Like,
0: oh. I-, I would say no one in that cast was unattractive, but yeah, no, Damon was a total hottie, and it's very uh, he's a very underrated hottie in terms of Power Rangers. Yeah.
2: I think oh. we made the joke that they kind of like put him in that very like loose outfit because like once you see that episode you're like oh that's why.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's oh moms would have been dropping like flies across America. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: oh my God.
2: Uh, yeah. No he was. But um, I guess back to that but yeah she she got the, the justice I think that uh, Corot needed for having her rifle battleizer go to the emotional support golden retriever yes
0: yes and
2: like
0: I love the like but yeah I just I also love how enthusiastic she is about getting the the pink battle warrior form
1: yes and we've still never seen what it looks like which is the most heartbreaking thing of all Uh, Dan Mora was commissioned to create the artwork for the the pink battle warrior and somehow in the transition from saban to hasbro it was lost Ugh. and we don't know we've never seen what it looks like just like we've never seen what the the team blaster the the hyper vortex blaster looks like and one day it'll show up somewhere and i'll that'll be the day i could die happy
0: yeah. I mean, I was like, thinking, think it's like maybe someday in the comics or, you know, another like Power Rangers media, like it'll okay. be there.
1: Now, my friend Matt Groom from the Ranger Danger podcast just brought back every Pink Ranger from across the franchise. And it would have been the perfect time to, even if it wasn't the design Dan or or whoever it boom had created to put that in that issue. And he forgot. Oh, oh, it breaks my heart. It absolutely breaks my heart because I wanted that so bad. It's the one thing missing from that issue to me.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. But again, hope springs eternal. Maybe someday we're going to see it mm-hmm. like show up in Power Rangers somewhere.
1: Maybe in the show, I would lose my mind. I would, I think I might, my heart would stop in that moment. Yeah.
0: Rest in peace, George. His dreams came true. <laughs> yeah that's it um but yeah i just i again i do just love the fact that they just had that like obviously it's not gonna go back and fix lost galaxy canon but i just love the fact that they finally put the battleizer on somebody who is not the red ranger and also
2: a woman character too yeah
0: and like again she i feel like she definitely earns it because she like definitely throughout that like entire king arthur episode because it comes from like it was given to her during the king arthur episode
1: mm-hmm. like yeah. she's
0: she's the one who's like fucking hauling ass around that episode
1: yes right. exactly
0: um so i it's it's i think you had pointed this out when we wrote the episode is that chloe and vesper are kind of the main characters of
1: the yes 100 yeah. percent it I always like to say that power Rangers is at its best when it's following the pink ranger. And, uh, that is the case in dino fury. And it's why dino fury is so great. It's what makes Corona so great. It's what makes time force so memorable, even if it's not perfect anymore, when you look back, but Jen makes that show shine. Yeah. And Chloe, Chloe is the main character of Hyperforce, hands down. And Vesper leads a lot of the charge too. And, They give that to these incredible performers who run with it. And Chloe, you know, dealing with what she deals with, we'll get to her father. Uh, Oh, we'll get to him. (laughs) uh, uh, Chloe Mm. deals with so much and at every junction slays her way through everything with a smile on her face. And it's incredible. She's the all might of Power Rangers.
0: Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. All right, Elm. Um, so I guess we'll move, use this to kind of move on to our Red Ranger, which uh, it definitely, as we mentioned, it does carry over. Is like you have the Red Ranger, who's the leader of the team, but he's definitely not the main focus character of the team, and that would be Marvin She, who is our Hyperforce Red. And oh boy, is he the most anxious Power Ranger I've ever seen in my life.
2: <laughs> he's just yeah. with anxiety.
0: It's he's like. A perfectly good, Power Ranger. You gave him anxiety. <laughs> so. I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as we uh yeah, he's. I think it's just like also the fact that, like, as George mentioned with his backstory, is that I think it kind of carries from that is that he's an immigrant alien. Um, yes. Which I, you could tell that him and Yoshi, because it's, it's Peter Sedarso and Yoshi Sedarso playing uh, Marvin and Joe. And we're going to get to Joe in a second. And they're obviously pulling in their own background of being like first generation like immigrants Mm -hmm. that have come to like came to the united states in terms of like their parents came and like because i think they were born in indonesia
2: i believe
1: they were
0: born in indonesia and then they came over to the states when they were very young
1: and this is something that yoshi i remember especially talked about behind the scenes they'd have what you called the fireside chats after every episode where they would Kind of give a, a you know a little behind the scenes on the writing of the episode, on fan questions. You know there was a lot of fan and community involvement in Hyperforce, and Yoshi was very serious about explaining how much their characters were based on them and mm-hmm. rolling with some other connections to the franchise that we'll talk about in a second.
0: Yeah, and so I, I did definitely like that aspect of their backstory of just the fact that you know they pulled in instead of just kind of doing what uh they did with ko 35 just being like oh yeah humans belong- are on other planets <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. and, like trying to give them like an actual like backstory of like no they're, they're they immigrated to earth and like they have very much an immigrant experience of earth um and so relating to their own backstory of being you know immigrants who came to america when they were very very young and yeah. like as you know to George is that he's also got a very traumatic backstory.
1: Yes. One hundred percent. Uh, if you, you'll get to Ninja steel very soon mm-hmm. and you have the character of Mick Canick <laughs> who, uh, is the, the de facto mentor of the Ninja steel Rangers and has continued on even into Dino fury as well. And in the comics and everything. And Mick, uh, comes from a place called the Lion Galaxy, which mm-hmm. is a very impoverished part of the Power Rangers universe. You have uh, really, really rich, like, you know, uh, leaders, a uh, uh, King Vieron and his daughter Viera, and they have enslaved other nations and other planets within the Lion Galaxy. And Mick was basically a live slave. To these royals. And we see that in an issue of the comics. Uh, It's a really powerful issue. And Mick is then sold off as a slave to Galvanax, who is a, a warlord from a different galaxy, which is heartbreaking until you find out that the Lion Galaxy, even in the year 3016, is still an enslaved impoverished place and the planet that Marv and Joe come from, Kyan is basically like a slave's slave state (laughs) Mm -hmm. they are they are in this horrible caste system where the rich are the richest and they enslave the poor people and then those poor people have people that work for them that come from Kyan and Cayenne, uh, you'll recognize the name. It, it comes from Uchu Sentai Q Ranger, Space Sentai Q Ranger, a beloved mm. series. And Marv talks about how he had a hero who was a Red Ranger, a Lion Red Ranger, that comes from his planet and freed countless people and enslaved and impoverished people from his planet, uh, including his family, and brought them to Earth. Uh and his team saved those people from impoverishment and slavery and brought them to Earth and is the reason he wanted to become a Power Ranger. And his brother wanted to become a Power Ranger. And that is the Red Q Ranger or or Shishi Red. <laughs> uh, and so that suit, you know, fans currently in 2022, when we're filming this episode or recording this episode, uh, are fighting about oh we we're never going to see the Q Ranger suits but they have a precedent in Hyperforce and it's all to connect to the Lion Galaxy which is a really sad part of the franchise that starts yeah. here <laughs>
0: and now that you kind of mentioned with the fact that Mick who again we'll meet soon is in yes like Dino Fury and like assuming he might show up in Cosmic Fury yeah. I would really love
1: that I like, love Mick. What if Mick is that person? That's what I want to know. Oh my god. I've always wondered that. You know, I've always wondered that.
2: (laughs) Also, also I now realize his name is Mechanic. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) And and Marv, Marv, we do need to mention, is named after Captain Marvelous from Go Kyger. Okay. Uh,
2: Okay. Yeah. uh,
1: um, And I'm guessing Joe is. Joe. Yes. Joe Gibkin, She. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so the, the, it is, there's a lot of little Gokaiger references. There's a lot of Q-Ranger references. The villains in this series are based on Jark Matter from Q-Ranger as well. The Alliance. Um, the, A lot of the visuals are. So Q-Ranger has been utilized within the brand before if you're looking for your Q-Ranger fix fans.
0: Well, I... Yes, and like, as you mentioned, I guess that does set up a precedent for mm-hmm. to see the Q-Ranger suits in somewhere in the future. Like, maybe not necessarily yeah. Cosmic Fury, but maybe Cosmic Fury, maybe the comics.
1: Maybe that Mighty Morphin 30th anniversary special we got coming up. hmm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's like, eh, eh. With, ne-
1: <laughs> with nine cast members currently involved. Mm-hmm. Nine. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh Yeah, you you have Alpha, the eight returning Rangers, and Charlie Kirsch as Min Kwan, the uh, daughter of Trini. All right. I guess yeah. I just didn't count
0: right there. But yeah, it's like, mm, that is also a possibility in terms of like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm.
1: Lots to think about. <laughs> like very much think.
0: But yeah, this, I, this is definitely, I can see what you're meaning about Hyperforce being kind of like, very important going forward to yeah.
1: it, it's a huge jumping on point and it is a huge springboard for a lot of the rest of the franchise
0: mm-hmm it's totally makes sense and especially like
1: yeah.
0: now like i hadn't even put together any of the key ranger stuff as soon as you mentioned it, it definitely like it's like being handed a key that just opens a door that you just uh-huh. jump in <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah, kind of going back to kind of Marv as a character, he's, um, I, it's unfortunately, I would say that Marv, like, even though he is the Red Ranger, he seems like he's one of the most least developed in the series. Yeah. In terms of like,
1: I would say the least developed for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. it definitely
0: feels like <laughs> once we kind of learn his backstory a little bit more and he finds Joe, like... The story is not focused on him anymore.
1: Yeah. No, he just kind of fills that void of the action character. The one who, you know, he's like a Chad or an, an Eric, but Eric had even more going on than Marv did. And, yeah. Uh, Eric's Marv, a very
2: interesting character, I would say. Yeah, but,
1: Eric kind of, Eric and Jen, I would say, even more than Wes are the crux of Time Force for me. Oh,
0: yeah, 100%, 100%. Like.
2: Wes is just there as the hot piece of meat they fight over. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh
0: huh. Yep. That nailed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> because yeah, time force does not like if time force focused on Wes versus Jen. Show does not work. That would
1: be a, no, that yeah. would not be a very good show. Yeah, no. and then
0: if you had, and if you didn't have a character like Eric, who is such a contrast to Wes, and even like the rest of the team. Still does not work as well. So, no, yeah, you are absolutely 100% right on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like...
2: Um, and this is not to say, like, Peter was a bad player, but it feels like Peter was definitely a very action-oriented player. Which is yes. fine. That is absolutely yeah. fine. Sometimes you just need someone to be action-oriented. That's
1: yeah. it. And for a lot of fans, Marv is their favorite because that's the things that they're drawn to. Yeah. But I I'm drawn to characters... That are you know complex and have a lot more going on. Marv kind of you know, other than his anxiety, kind of knew who he was going into the series, you know, yeah. and and he really much follows his brother, you know, along the whole thing, and it it makes his brother a better character, but I'm not sure if it makes him a better character.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's definitely one of those like I have kind of my backstory forward, um, and you know. I'm gonna play this character and everything, but you know, I don't have anything new to kind of grow and add to other than I'm trying to find my brother. Yeah. Which again, it's it's
1: fine, uh, when you're yeah, dealing with fine. a tabletop game.
2: Yeah. When you're dealing it's with a tabletop game, not everyone here. has to have Yeah, not everyone has to be a Vesper. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's it. You know, Uh, that's what makes Power Rangers beautiful is that uh, every Megazord has different shapes. Somebody's a leg, somebody's an arm, somebody's a head. And sometimes you've got to be the sword that gets held, you know. (laughs) And
0: that's, that's very much Marv, is that he's definitely the player who, when he gets in, is punch first, ask questions later. Yeah. That's it. Um and that that shows up so much in like a lot of the fights too, is that I think he's like he, it's the struggle of hey, everybody else on the table is trying to strategize and um I want to kick this in the face. Yeah. And like he gets very emotional about it sometimes, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um He's very melodramatic. Yeah. yeah.
0: Not a bad thing. It's just like No, very, not just, at all. Just kind of a notation about that, and like that's kind of noted about like. It, I think what makes them interesting in terms of re- of being a Red Ranger is that sometimes the Power Rangers as a whole has a default setting of, well, here is our Red Ranger character; they're the team
1: leader. Yeah, that's
0: and it. And like, because I noted that when we watched Wild Force, is that Taylor is clearly the team leader yes she is the she has the most seniority she has experience you know as you know somebody who was in the military and like she's kind of the adult keeping everybody else together but as soon as like um cole cole thank you as soon as cole shows up it's like well he's the red ranger so he's the leader of the team
2: much like the lion is king of this forest. oh my yeah. god <laughs> Like Shayla, oh.
0: stop going to the peak hour of consciousness. Go listen to your Kate <laughs> Bush records and let Taylor or er, figure the rest of this out. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um.
0: So I I like the fact that like Hyperforce kind of subverts that. Like they kind of keep trying to slot Marv as the Red Ranger,
1: but and like, the roles get in his way every time. Yes. Yeah, that, that is one way the medium worked. Is Anybody could have ended up with that battleizer, but it was Chloe who rolled the best role. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that is, they wanted that armor to go to Marvin so bad and it went to Chloe. Yep. And that mm. is the beauty of this medium. We'll get to some of the negatives at the end, but, you know, Marv could have been the one who got all the fancy toys, all the shiny things, and he just got to be, the side character which is good for him you know it's a different type of red ranger he's like a rocky type you know that's
2: yeah a little bit more going on than rocky in some ways but yeah
1: very much so he's no comparison and he's nowhere near the worst red ranger no you know yeah
2: (laughs) but yeah he's more of like a side character or like and one of and one of the big thing is he he really is trying to be that Red Ranger leader, but he does defer to the rest of the team. And it's you know, oftentimes it's like you know we were talking about Yellow Rangers who felt more leader like Jack felt more leader like because you yeah. know, he's a beat cop. He's he's definitely older and more experienced, and he's like trying to strategize here. And Marv's like, I want to punch him in the face.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like I think. Because I forget what episode it was, but, like, you know, they keep trying to tell Marvel, you're the leader, we'll follow your decision. He's like, no, we we all are leaders on this team.
2: Yeah. So, he he was like, I don't want to do this.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, I I definitely kind of like that approach to, like, having, you know, trying not to automatically default to, well, he's the Red Ranger, so therefore he's the main character, he's the leader. When that was definitely not the case. Um... You know, and obviously, yeah, sometimes we do have Power Rangers series where the Red uh, the Red Ranger is clearly the main character, like Casey from Jungle Fury. Yeah. But, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that's always the most interesting story, you know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah.
3: exactly.
0: Um, And as we said, kind of like the first... He's, like, he is, like, a very much a central char- character for the first half of the series where his main objective is, my brother... Went missing. I want. I need to find my brother Joe. I mean, obviously, he's like he got he snuck into and got kicked out of Time Force mm-hmm. for impersonating an officer. Yes. So, like, because he just wanted to find out where his brother went. Yeah. And like.
1: Yeah. Once he does, his story kind of goes kaput. <laughs>
0: yeah, because like, well. It- you- You've achieved your objective for the series halfway through.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So
2: back to you being anxious. Yep. Which is good. Like like, it it gave also the focus to the stuff later evolving with like Chloe and Vesper more. So
0: yeah. And I think that definitely served the series better, especially because again, if the dice rolls are leaning more towards, you know, Chloe and Vesper versus, you know, Marv or poor Eddie. (laughs) (laughs)
3: poor eddie (laughs) already
0: um then yeah why not just lean more towards telling their story and figuring out what's going on with them
2: which i guess can bring us to our next character joe uh
0: yeah so joe is marvin's big brother um so he starts off the series as time for silver um kind of like similar to Syrah in uh sins of the future which i meant to reread sins of the future before we did this episode but week's been crazy so just did not happen <laughs> yeah. um i am gonna go reread it soon though now that we've actually like finished hyperforce and now it's gonna make more sense um yeah but yeah it's kind of like an auxiliary like time force character um similar to si- a time force ranger similar to Syra in that regard um, so he starts off as Time Force Silver and that he's been on a secret mission and then he loses his Time Force powers and eventually gets, uh, new Hyper Force powers and becomes Hyper Force Green.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and as we, as you noted, George, he's Mr. Steel Your Girl. <laughs>
1: Yes. And it is the best. It is my favorite, most delicious meal. And Yoshi is a delicious meal.
3: It's true. (laughs) It is true. I
1: follow him on Instagram. (laughs) And Joe comes into the picture and you find out that he is the boy that Rancic was afraid of that Nadira crushed on before she even met Lucas. Nadira always liked human guys and she loved this other boy and had a crush on him back in her childhood as a mutant. And you find out that that was Joe and they've been on again, off again, their entire lives. He's the one that got away and he came back and they get married. We get a ranger who gets married on screen. Yeah. And Nadira is madly in love with Joe. You see she has heart-shaped frames filled with pictures of Joe around her apartment and Ransik's lab in Hyperforce and you find out that Ransik actually really liked Joe by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> the cooler lucas yeah i just
0: i had not even made that connection until you mentioned it because we haven't watched time force in like
2: yeah almost two years now so like
0: wow (laughs) yeah it's been so long i just i hadn't even like remembered the whole bit about her having like the alien that she was like flirting with
2: yeah Yeah, that's it (laughs) and i despite the fact that i've watched time force many times i've forgotten about it too And I I think we we mentioned, like, his secret mission, I think, was to infiltrate the Alliance.
1: Yes, Yes. 100%. And if you read Sins of the Future, you see when he leaves uh, about six months before Hyperforce's plot begins. A uh, jen sends him off from the secret hangar that you see at the beginning of this series and he goes off with two other agents and they die throughout the course of things or become part of the alliance mm-hmm. and and he grabs this uh control morpher i think you call it uh that it's not a chrono it has something to do with Sira and the, you know, whatever's going on with Frax and uh, stuff during *Sins of the Future*. It's real timey wimey that book is, and <laughs> and he becomes the Silver Time Force Ranger, and Sira becomes the Black Time Force Ranger, and uh, you know, uh, almost in the same way that the Quantum Controller gets sent back to dinosaur times. I think it was the Jurassic period, and. Uh, the Q Rex is sent with it, you know, so Joe was time force silver and goes through all that and then becomes hyperforce green. And the only time we could say Hell Hydra and it's a good thing is with Joe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and as, as Sid made the joke, that he's the cooler Lucas.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I should draw that sometime. Lucas, the cooler <laughs> Lucas. And it's just Joe in sunglasses.
0: <laughs> and like, and the the fact they even make the joke about that at the end of the series when like they go and rescue all the hyperforce rangers, not hyperforce all the time force rangers, which are just being played by Zack, um. <laughs>
1: I think they tried their best to get them all back but it, schedules were not working so they did with their best.
0: Yeah, no, I totally get it. Um I, yeah. I, str- scheduling is half the struggle of RPGs. So
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, like uh our game did not meet last week cuz of scheduling. So
0: Yeah, what's the so you keep like people keep making the joke about the upcoming D&D movie should like push out a week just for like authenticity.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, I've been there. Especially uh college was easier cuz you know we all had the same time everything mm-hmm. which is mean on the weekend. When you're an adult it's like oh well you know something came up today or some shit.
0: <laughs> right. But yeah, so <laughs> but yeah, I just love that interaction with Lucas at the end where they're just like, "Oh, okay, we're doing this." <laughs> 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 and then um I had to say I love Joe's official introduction into the series. Because, like, so for the first part where we're talking about when, you know, we learn Marv's backstory of like he has a brother. His brother was in Time Force. His brother's been missing. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. And I think it's some, he sees an illusion of his brother or like Malik is playing Joe and he's helmeted. But we yes. don't, yeah, we don't know who is actually playing Joe or it seems like he's just going to be like a character, an NPC played by Malika. Mm-hmm. and then in the middle of the episode they roll in another chair and yoshi walks in the room
1: <laughs> oh it's so good even now oh i yeah, was like it's-
0: oh it's such a it's such a great moment because peter loses his mind and <laughs> just like i thought you said you dyed your hair for a roll <laughs> he did he did he did. He did not lie. He just wasn't specific.
3: <laughs> yes, sir.
0: and like it's just yeah, it's just such a great heartwarming moment of surprise. Yeah, because they all ob- you know they didn't tell Peter, and like it's just oh so good. And I, uh, but also the fact that since he did dye his hair silver for the role, <laughs> <laughs> there is an ongoing. Run. there's a running gag between um between uh joe and vesper because mm-hmm. he's like he doesn't like the fact there's two silver hair rangers on the team
2: <laughs> yes
0: so he keeps telling vesper you should you should change your hair you should dye your hair and she's like no
2: <laughs> no i
0: don't care
2: that there's another silver hair ranger on this team
0: uh it's it's like it's such it's one of those like it's one of the things you don't quite notice initially but like once you like you notice that yoshi keeps doing coming back to this
2: yes it's so good
0: yeah <laughs> oh, that's great and then a- a- as you mentioned yeah he's like actually is the first time we've seen a ranger get married within the series of power like within like on screen in power rangers
1: That's it. He, he doesn't have a lot going on as a character, but what he Mm -hmm. does have going on is great. He gets married. He's in a loving marriage. He's like calling up Nadira and doing zoom calls to smooch and stuff while they're on missions and things. And it's just so much fun. And He's just another great, he's like the better version of the action oriented character. He's like the stereotypical sixth Ranger where he comes in, he's got these cool Hydra whips and, you know, blades and things. And he's doing his thing. He's got the golden armor. He has a big giant tank like Zord, you know, that's like Titanus, but it's a Hydra. It's so much fun. And yet, He's just a simple character. You know who he is from the beginning to the end. Almost like Carter Grayson in Lightspeed Rescue. Oh, yeah.
2: Sure. Sure. And I, I love the, Carter.
1: So. Yeah, he, I he's compliment. very similar to Carter to me. You know, he's like in the way that Jack is like a cop's cop. I'd say like Joe is the least cop cop we've ever had he's yeah he's very much he's the stabler without the trauma yeah (laughs) okay i can see it you know he's the the, one in the huge ass yeah that's well (laughs) i he's got that too but (laughs) but he's you know he's whooping butt and doing his thing and he kind of like carter before him he's just good as he's a good character a good person in and out from the beginning to the end And he's just about the mission and just, you know, he's going to shoot first and ask questions later, but not in a scary, bad, problematic way. Mm -hmm. And it's just great. You know, he's a great character and he's a fun later addition to the series. And, you know, he doesn't get a morphing sequence, which always made me sad, but (laughs) (laughs) it's expensive. That's why they couldn't do it. Makes sense. Makes sense.
0: But, yeah, no, and I, I love the bit when, like, he's obviously it's a very sixth ranger that he'll, like, pop in and out of. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Like Ryan or, like, Eric, you know, mm-hmm. very much that. Early Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Orion oh, oh, dancing in his cute little underwear in the school, you know. <laughs> yeah. Dude, very sixth ranger, you know. Pop in Kendall. when you need him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: that's it.
0: And I, but, yeah, I love the bit when, like, they they've been away for a bit and like it's about to be his wedding and he's like left like 50 voicemails
1: (laughs) yeah i'm an older brother i know that feeling
0: (laughs) yeah i just i yeah and i just love the fact that yoshi just kept acting out the voicemails (laughs) Yes, (laughs) oh it's just such a great little detail um But yeah, so I guess we got through all of our rangers, so I guess we move on to our allies. Well, allies and enemies, so let's start with our allies. The first being the best alpha, Alpha 55.
2: I loved Alpha 55 so much. Oh.
1: Alpha 55 is such a joy. The most dynamic Alpha, you know, an Alpha that still loves to dress up. He was there when when Jen and Wes uh, get, you know, they proposed to one another in Sins of the mm-hmm. Future. Mm-hmm. This Alpha was there. This Alpha has a chest cannon like Go uh, o from *Gokiger*. Shoots enemies, blows a hole in the, the hyper ship.
0: Oh god, when <laughs> and- that happened, I was like, what the fuck?
1: And then that's how they go to the medieval episode and get a an awesome medieval door on the side of the thing. Yeah, and the fact, uh, you know it's just awesome. And then they use this time force set, this toy set that came out in two thousand one, and that is the hypership. If you go Google the time force adventure set or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it is the hypership, and they describe it perfectly. And where there's a hole in the side, that's where it gets patched up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And Alpha has this tie to Vesper, this memory link with Vesper, Uh, and it's such a great plot device. This Alpha is the least existential Alpha, uh, besides maybe Alpha 1, and uh, this Alpha just is wearing a bikini when possessed by Vesper, is flirting with Eddie when possessed by Vesper. (laughs) (laughs) going through so much, and this alpha doesn't bat an eyelash even once, and it's yeah. the best it's the best looking alpha to me too that black and gold design is so great yeah. you know and yeah, Malika has so much fun, you know
2: <laughs> yeah malika they were just really they were my favorite of the to the played alpha of of uh her and Zach, so yes. Just really got the whole like anxiety voice of Alpha down, but also like the really helpfulness that made Alpha
1: Five Alpha Five. Mm-hmm. Oh, just so tender, you know. Yeah. Alpha Six was too much of a departure, and now we know this is another thing that they could fill up over the years. Is there's like fifty odds other Alphas out there? <laughs>
2: yeah, those are uh, Alpha Six, and uh, and in, uh, in space got better. So
1: yes, one hundred percent.
0: But yeah, so I like the fact that like they mentioned the fact that all all alphas have a memory link to each other. Yeah, yeah. which means that like obviously he can access Alpha Five and Alpha 6's memories, but that also means he can access Alpha One's memories.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. Hey, so Terrifying. Stuff- to think about that <laughs> That's so
0: right. you just know Let's Alpha access- Fifty Five goes back like that far and is like goodbye childhood. <laughs> oh. God, Alpha One. Yeah. I hadn't even thought yeah. about Alpha One until Sid mentioned him, and I was just like, "Well, I will just forever
2: remember Alpha fucking One and just being a murder bot." Yeah,
0: yeah. Alpha One yeah. is definitely, hey, sexy mama, wanted to kill all humans. Oh, <laughs> hey, uh, so I mean, obviously, we're gonna revisit Alpha One when we uh, re. I guess we're gonna we we are planning on rereading Go Go when we kind of go over power rangers uh, all that fun stuff um but yeah so that's really all we have to touch on with alpha like that's not that he's like he's kind of just their main ally in terms of like Mm -hmm. alpha knows all alpha knows everything that's going on and helps kind of drive the plot along but you know kind of as that main character like main npc you need the dm to play so
2: yeah like i'm here to give you some stuff
0: but also he is baby
1: (laughs) he's baby 100 baby
0: um oh. the next character we kind of want to mention with our allies and she shows up for a couple episodes is abigail who is a time force student who has turned into jen's number one yeah and uh i don't know who said this i don't remember who when we were writing the episode. it would be me yeah
1: yeah alex but better god yeah She's the one that taps the buttons and is very much like Garcia from Criminal Minds is, you know, that's very much the analog to me. That or Fran from Jungle Fury. Tippity tap it in the keyboard and go in, I've sent you the Zords, blah, blah, blah. Or I've sent you this. Uh, we're doing that. Hey, Jen wants me to send you a message. Just a simple character that you need, you know. Yeah. Oh, sure.
0: So, yeah, and then she doesn't get a whole lot obviously, but like whenever they go no. back to, you know, uh 3016, like she's there to be very helpful and like she very much cares about the team and like who was it that she offered to help with like finding like back was it was it Chloe like trying to help offer to help yeah. her find her what happened to her parents.
1: Yes, with Chloe and then with Marv as well to help find Joe and uh kind of has a crush on Marv and they kind of play that up for fun effect at the wedding.
3: Aww,
0: oh yeah, yeah totally had spaced on that. But yeah, no, I mean, like I said, she's like she's just another kind of character that kind of helps drive the plot along and is just very nice, very sweet. hmm Um, and then our next character who is a reoccurring like obviously we're not gonna go over every possible ally character because no. there are so no. many rangers that pop in and out that we'd be here all night um and we want no, to just we want to keep just this podcast t- under four hours <laughs> so, yes. and we we
2: just want to touch the basics so um Colonel lena's song came up uh
1: quite often yes or detective lena song in some dimensions
2: some some and- dimensions, she was just everywhere
1: Yep. She yes. That's a, just a badass, a general badass, you know, mm. kind of comes in knows what they're about and just is efficient. And we first meet them uh in SPD's time period, a yeah. year after SPD actually, 2026, so a year after SPD and uh has taken on the role of kind of Doggy Krueger's number 2 alongside Cap Manx. Mm-hmm. And is working you know uh starts out in the d squad <laughs> yeah and F- d is for detective and then works their way up to becoming the green spd ranger mm-hmm. and after hyperforce becomes the blue spd ranger when jj oliver in soul of the dragon becomes the new green yeah and So Lena kind of continues on then, and then has appeared throughout many other dimensions in the franchise. You'll see her sometimes in the background of comics. Uh, There was a a piece of paper in Beast Morphers that mentioned a Lena S. There's a few little things that Lena is everywhere. There's probably a Lena in every dimension in the multiverse. And I kind of have made the, you know, the comparison to she's like Clara Oswald from Doctor Who. Uh, mm-hmm. Clara pops up everywhere. She, you know, all throughout the doctor's history, no matter which version of the doctor, they always meet a Clara. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and as you kind of noted here, because like obviously Leno had been mentioned, I think, in SPD, like as just sort of a a, a background thing.
1: Yeah, a um, throwaway line. Yeah, I think in SWAT Part 1, okay. if I remember correctly. And,
0: like, obviously, like, it becomes Malika's self-insert, and we absolutely love her.
1: <laughs> yes. And, like... Just as simple as that. That's, uh, you know, if you bring back SPD, you have to fly Malika over. Y-
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, who else is going to play Lena? Like, no one else. No one.
1: It has to be Malika. And that'll make some of the fans be real mad. And the best fans will be really happy.
0: <laughs> as it should be. I'll, you know, not the madness, but obviously, like.
2: Yes. <laughs> I'll, stay off, I'll stay off Twitter that day or something. Yeah, the girls will be fighting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the girls are fighting. <laughs> um, I guess kind of like, I'll oh, I will say with Lena, I did love the bit in the Shattered Grid episode where she had the rocket launcher.
3: Yes.
2: Yes. Oh
0: my god! That was, like, probably, I think, my favorite, like, Lena moment throughout the series.
1: This is sad of It fit the coinless dimension so well. Yeah. It's so great.
0: (laughs) Okay, and then I guess moving on to our last ally character, because, like, he doesn't show up multiple (laughs) times in the series, but he has shown up multiple times in... The franchise. It's Santa Claus, baby. It's it's Santa Claus.
2: We find out here Santa Claus is, yes, a Power Ranger.
1: Yes, and uh, we finally have great artwork of this Santa, thanks to Dan Mora for the Heroes of the Grid board game. Mm. And boy, oh boy, it's the other plus-size ranger throughout the history of the franchise. Uh, You have Santa, who we meet Santa when he's a little bit younger and hotter. It's the 80s. And (laughs) (laughs)
2: Everyone's a little bit hotter and younger in the (laughs) eighties.
1: That's it. And and Santa calls the Rangers up and says, I I need you to fight my deepest, scariest lifelong enemy, Krampus. And it brings (laughs) Krampus into the franchise. And they have this battle where Santa has a morpher, has a constant Ranger suit, a leathery looking Ranger suit, which is extra hot. And (laughs) then, (laughs) and then has, the very first canonical battleizer, his sleigh turns into a battleizer that's like a big rocket ship on his back <laughs> and then he has uh his reindeer's order is sleigh sword, as he calls it, so he he is yes sleigh mama boots, versace, the house down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, and just the fact that like, it is established that every time we see Santa in Power Rangers, it is the same Santa we see in this yes. episode of I
1: yes. 100%. This is just the younger version of him. This is the 30 plus year younger version of him. And Ash- oh, go on. Oh, sorry. And it's just so fun. You know, you have the guy who played Fresno Bob in, you know, uh, RPM, he comes back as Santa, and this is that same Santa, but he's younger, hotter, and snarkier back then. And that's so fun.
2: One, I did not know Fresno Bob's actor was also Santa's actor later. That's great. The (laughs) other is, I was going to make the joke to Ashley uh, that, um, so, do you think the Santa in this universe, or within wrestling universes of Power Rangers is Mick Foley? Like, Mick Foley's a Power Ranger now.
0: You know?
2: (laughs) george to to let you know mick foley is a wrestler he's also a santa actor
0: oh that's fun he's also just one of the like on record as just being one of the nicest guys in professional wrestling
1: yeah oh that's fun as someone who dresses up as a santa almost every year to go and do volunteer stuff that it makes me so happy
0: yeah
2: yeah he he's also been santa multiple times on like raw and stuff there was an
0: entire Aww. episode of raw on christmas that is probably one of the most iconic dumb wwe moments but like it absolutely works because of mick foley and john cena yes um is there's an episode where of raw that they did on christmas where uh santa shows up at the beginning and gets hit by alberto del rio's car and so yeah so they spend this entire episode thinking oh god santa is like santa's gonna be fine but he's like he's a little bit tired straights right now but like john cena we need you to go out there and fight (laughs) alberto del rio for santa and then like everybody backstage just starts chanting santa santa and then like john cena has just completely stone-faced as everybody's trying to rally him, and at the very end he just yells, I'm going to back up from the mic here a little bit, FOR SANTA! <laughs> <laughs> and they have a miracle on Thirty Four or Street fight. Whoa. And at the end, Santa rallies, and Mick, uh, since it's Mick Santa, he does his signature mandible claw move on Alberto Del Rio, and John Cena wins the match.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: It is... There's clips of it out there, and we'll put it in the show notes. But oh my god, I every time every Christmas I just pull up the clip of John Cena screaming for Santa.
1: That sounds so fun. Uh, That's I'm gonna I'm gonna be listening to this back when we're done recording, and I'm gonna look at the show notes and see that clip. It's, yes,
0: it, yeah, it's just it's peak like WWE stupid like shit. But it is some of my favorite like
1: that sounds wonderful yeah That's, i love that kind of stuff
0: yeah because it's like there's just sometimes when like wwe just hits that right that right cheesy note that just makes everything yeah. perfect and it's just like yes uh, you can yeah there's just like sometimes they go too far in the other direction and it's just like it's one of those yeah when they're good they're great but <laughs> they're yeah, bad yeah. they are the dog shit worst <laughs> dog <Dark>
2: shit worst <laughs>
0: um but yeah so i i guess that yeah, is mick foley a power I-, I want mick foley to be a power ranger just canonically. yes
2: this is like
0: yeah let's 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 just
2: canonically say mick foley in our universe or at least in the wwe universe i hate to say it like that <laughs> is the is the power ranger santa claus
1: done yeah. it's law done.
2: Yeah, we're 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 writing this to Triple H right now. Yeah.
0: I mean, how else do you explain how he got up after getting thrown off of hell in a cell? Like, yeah, ex- exactly, it's the morphine grid. The morphing grid, yeah. The morphing grid saved him. <laughs> All right, so uh let's move on to our villains then. Um so kind of our main obviously baddie group that kind of is the um the umbrella that everything else falls under is the alliance. Yes. Which, yes. George, you noted is another Q-Ranger connection.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, They're based on Jark Matter from Q-Ranger, mm-hmm. which are these humanoid aliens within... uh, they, they put on these helmets and they have these black suits with neon stripes. And when we first meet them at the beginning of Hyperforce, they're just what people are thinking are possessed human beings. Mm-hmm. And you come to find out that it's this kind of... Cult of personality. And these people have been kind of corrupt, but by magic and just by being corrupt people and believe in this, you know, want and need to overthrow the time force version of the future Mm -hmm. where they've kind of performed eugenics and have kind of you know babies have been grown in tubes and pods and stuff and aren't doing done the normal way anymore Mm -hmm. and they don't want any of these time force laws and rules anymore and so maybe some of them joined up thinking it was something good and oops you're in a cult and (laughs) and then the people who try to leave The leader of the Alliance kind of puts their purple magic, you know, hoodoo on them and uh, they become horrible, vicious monsters with these horrific masks on that are trying to kill rangers and stuff. And you also have putties and things that are picked up along the way and mutants and uh, SPD crybots and things. They get possessed by the same kind of magic and it's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. So as we noted, is that they are trying to change time because of fascism and eugenics, but it's like their own version <laughs> of fascism and eugenics.
1: Yeah, that's uh, it's very much. I'm not going to say a Russia situation, but I'm not not going to say a Russia situation mm-hmm. where it's like. Which layer of evil are you going to get? This evil, that evil, the next evil, the next one, the next one, until you get to uh, nuclear Armageddon.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I was about to say, it's like, this sounds very much like, well, we don't like your fascism and eugenics, so we're going to implement our own fascism and eugenics. Basically, red fash. fash.
0: Yeah, it's like... That's it. Or it's just like, when you look at it, it's like, that's not much better than what we're dealing with. It's like, every, every time... They write. I see an article about Britney Griner and who's still currently in prison in Russia, and they describe everything she's going through. And it's just like that does not sound too different than the American like jail uh-huh. system. She uh-huh. needs to be freed, but the way you're just describing this in horror, it's like that's been happening here. Yeah, it's
2: like mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that
0: happens here. Like, but yes, just be free, Britney. Russia's Greiner, also there's a, there's
2: a hyper-capitalistic hellhole too. Yeah. Yep. So. yep.
0: Free Britney Griner. Just throw that out there. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, and kind of moving on to uh, kind of the next layer of the alliance is that is oh. Thrax.
1: Thrax. Thrax. Which is, so many people, this is how I've gotten them to even try Hyperforce. Uh, is you have this mystery throughout Hyperforce of who is the Alliance leader. And once again, this is borrowing from the Q Ranger footage where you had this cloaked figure uh, throughout all of Q Ranger and you meet them toward the end. And the Alliance leader is this cloaked figure that's sneaking in and out of ships throughout time, causing paradoxes throughout time, and is the face of the Alliance but not really the leader of the Alliance, but they're referred to as the Alliance leader. And the Rangers are on Aquatar of all places. Mm -hmm. And it's revealed to be Thrax, who is the son of Rita and Zed, who first appeared in Operation Overdrive. And you kind of, uh, you know, uh, this makes Thrax make sense and makes him important to the lore of Power Rangers because Thrax you come to find out by the end of the season of Hyperforce is from this broken, fractured paradox filled timeline of his own creation. He creates himself. Oh, s- <laughs> he, he, he allows himself to exist. And that in turn causes him to go into the dimension, the regular dimension where operation overdrive. And once a ranger happens, And he's then killed, which allows him to then unlock his dormant mystic dark specter abilities like his mother and then is able to hypnotize these people, uh, suck up mutants and stuff, create paradoxes and is the main actual leader of the Alliance, Mm -hmm. is the ultimate tool of his creation and thrax is this never-ending promise and the hyperforce rangers don't realize the whole time that they've been walked into a trap that they're helping these paradoxes happen yeah and it's so sad by the end because they didn't realize they've been unwilling pawns in a wider 3d chess game
3: yeah and that's
1: what thrax represents
0: yeah it's absolutely wild to me because it's like there's been multiple times we'll talk about this later in Hyperforce where you're just like they made this thing from this terrible season work
1: yeah and they made Thrax important yeah. they made Thrax important and make sense yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild
0: honestly because I was just like out of anything I would have expected to come back from like the you know the wide swath of Power Rangers it was not Thrax <laughs> it
3: was no not Thrax
0: it absolutely ends up working and ends up giving like probably one of those brutal scenes to ever happen in power rangers where he straight up kills vesper
1: yeah Yeah. he's covered in bandages and this cloak and reveals himself and uh he doesn't have his father's staff anymore because grid battle force had that too and uh he ends up using his magic and chokes the life out of Vesper and like rips her head off or some crazy nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Like- Crushes her like a tin can. It's brutal. Absolutely brutal.
0: Yeah. And it's just like, I was by the end of that episode, I was like, Jesus Christ christ like
2: yeah
0: it's definitely one of those things that they could definitely not get away with with the main tv series like
1: oh yeah. in a million years never no. gotten away with never, that. not even now that. on netflix not even now
0: yeah like i mean i'm interested to see if they would go that direction with the upcoming quote-unquote reboot series
1: who knows maybe i
0: mean we'll yeah we'll
1: find out when we find out
0: yeah i'm I'm definitely interested in seeing where that one goes, especially because, like, having seen like at least the first season of End of the Fucking World, I'm just like, "That's John Ant Whistles a choice for Power Rangers? Okay, let's go." Um, Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so I yeah, I think just that's definitely one of those things that like yeah, that's definitely the uh one of the strengths of having this uh format of an uh tabletop rpg that is online and has care you know these slightly older characters yeah is that you can kind of have those brutal moments of like vesper getting absolutely like Murdered. murdered and fucked up
2: yeah um
0: yeah and like and but as you noted like he actually lives at the end
1: Yes, yeah. he lives at the end. Uh, you have him and then a, a corrupt version of Rita and Zed. And mm-hmm. somehow maybe they all kind of become one. Or, may, But I think how it ends is they they go off together and just live in this broken, fractured timeline. And Hyperforce ends on a cliffhanger that yeah. is still, that's still to this day never been answered. What happens to these corrupt versions of these characters that are from a version of events where the Z-Wave is undone? Yeah. It's really, really crazy. You know, Zordon lives in that dimension in the modern day, but all these paradoxes have happened, and it it affects even things in different dimensions, which is so wild to me. And so they get away at the end, and nobody knows what happened since. It's just <laughs> so weird
0: to think about because like, yeah. I was like, I did not expect when it got to that ending, and it's just like, well, that's the end of Hyperforce Season 1. I'm like, wait, what, where's the rest?
1: Yeah, I was just like, oh, damn, okay. And five years later, we still do not know.
0: Oh, damn. my God. Well, hopefully we get a continuation someday.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'm they, hoping. They appear at the end of Shattered Grid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the we see Chloe once. And that's it. Damn.
0: <laughs> oh, fucking crazy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you
2: what. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know where that Hank Hill came from. Just yeah. deep within my soul, I guess.
2: <laughs> deep, deep within your soul. Bobby Chomp. Uh, <laughs> all right. let's a uh, kind of quick touch on uh, Scorpina. Because she was... Sure. Uh, she was like the big bad in like soul, the dragon. And a lot of that was set up here.
1: And yes, I did go reread soul, the dragon after our uh writing session. And mm-hmm. what happens is this happens first. And then she, she's thrust through the wormhole and uh, that the events of that happen. Mm-hmm. So she is, the uh, crazy she's like the the other uh you know clara oswald type she's just all over the place you know yeah, she really is and she's exactly the same character i can hear her laugh in my dreams when i go to sleep my nightmares <laughs> and mm-hmm. <laughs> and she just it, it, she seems like this silly one-off villain at the beginning, and. She's working with the big bad. She's a general in this with another yeah. guy named Val- Valkanos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and it's just Scorpina.
0: Yeah. Yep. She it's Scorpina, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. And so uh it is time to move on to the true Big Bad of the series. Uh Mr. Ashford, who Congratulations, you are officially the worst dad in Power Rangers! He, he really wins, dear God! Like we had to create a specific award for Power Rangers just for him, which is the Rangers Plain James Navarro Award for Bad Dadness. yeah Congratulations, you are the worst dad.
2: Here like, it is. It
0: was kind of impossible to beat James Navarro, but by God you did it.
2: My god, you did. Oh. So Yeah. What what makes him so bad? Well, we're gonna get to this about him being probably also one of the most brutal human villains we've had.
1: Because he's a human. That's the scariest thing of all. He's just a human.
2: He's just a human. So we find out that through Even though he doesn't say, it's pretty much very implied. That whole thing that happened with Chloe and, you know, as a kid and her parents, like, dying in a fire. Yeah, he he murdered his wife.
1: He murders his wife and then torches their house with all of their belongings in it because he's uh, a research assistant under FRAX and, and, and decides... I don't need this woman, and brutally murders his wife, torches the house, and their daughter comes home and then is then an orphan. Yeah. And he doesn't care about her in the slightest, even when she shows back up and is a Power Ranger.
3: Yeah.
2: Ugh. Ugh. You know, DS9 has a very horrible fascist in it named Goldicott. Even he cares about his fucking daughter. Ugh.
0: And and it's... It- oh coldest card is a fart man i was waiting for you to say it <laughs> <laughs> oh just yeah as soon as like because obviously like when we first meet mr ashford he's playing this whole like playing up this whole like oh i've been a prisoner by the i've been pr- imprisoned by the alliance for years now oh chloe you're a power oh, ranger oh. i'm so happy to see you and then like he gets chloe alone and the like Blocks off the rest of the Rangers and a switch just flips.
1: Ugh. He is disgusting, vile, rancid, and horrible. Uh. He's an absolute pig monster, disgusting human being.
0: Oh, Yeah. Just just absolute garbage. Worst dad. And like we'll even include mezagog in that, but like at least like, you know, he got rid of mezagog. Yeah,
1: it's yes, like- exactly.
0: Yeah, at least the, the Antoine
2: Mercer, like, he had a lab experiment that made Mesogog, you know, and he got rid of him. No, doc, like like we said, like, Mr. Ashford's a human being and is probably one of the most rancid villains I think we've seen in Power Rangers.
1: Ugh. I, I'd say Vengex and, and Draken, not to bring up something poor as yeah. well, but uh, Vengex and Draken are the most brutal villains in the history of the franchise. They, yeah. they basically wipe out their whole home dimensions and then seek to do the same thing to others and mr ashford is that on such a fine scale in the way that master org kind of was yeah but then then he's even worse than master org how How is that possible how are you worse than Uh, brony for zony man right oh my
0: god
2: i'm gonna become the master org because i'm very mad that this woman who i didn't who i like she obviously was a prize. I didn't think she, like, never seemed interest, married another man, and had a kid.
1: The grossest. Yeah, and like, then he's worse than that. How is he worse than that accent? How? But,
0: yeah, like, it is astounding the levels that Mr. Ashford manages to reach, and he's only in... Like, the very last episode.
1: Yes, that's what makes it even weirder, is you don't know that he's even there pulling all these strings like an awful, disgusting, pink-haired puppet master until the very end, and it makes it even more sick. It's something SPD did the same thing with Omni didn't show up till the very end or mystic force, the master Optimus yeah. didn't show up until the very end, but he was that done better. He really and was. and it, it's so scary and it adds to Chloe. It makes Chloe even more of a sympathetic lead. Yeah. And you go from sympathy to full on empathy with Chloe. And yeah. she has to like end her father. <laughs> it's like you and have to kill your dad now. You have to kill your dad now. And then has to watch as her and her team like kill her dad. And then his plan is successful and time is screwed up forever. Oh. Yep. And they go off. Hyperforce ends with Chloe and these rebels going off one way and the team going off another. and Yeah they've got to go fix time separate from one another God. and it's so sad hyperforce ends on a bummer and a half
2: yeah it's one of those it's like rpm like opens with a bummer uh, and hyperforce so happy. yeah and, and whereas like hyperforce kind of opens with this called a very beautiful adventure and all that. And it's just, it's like very bummer ending.
1: Yeah. And we only see Chloe one other time. We haven't seen anybody else from Hyperforce since we see Chloe. When all of the pink Rangers show up, she's a little bit older. You see, she's got shorter hair, but she looks sad. Even then. Oh. Mm. <sighs> it, it's heartbreaking.
0: Um, and yeah, something else you noted about Mister Ashford is that it does that he does tie in to *Sins of the Future* um, as well. Yes, of
1: course. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's another tie-in. He's the third person working with Captain Logan or Commander Logan from Time yeah. Force who who gets fired and creates the hyperforce technology with Doctor Lewis Ferrex, who was Frax within the morphing grid in a, a place called Sanctuary One i Mm -hmm. think that's the name Mm -hmm. yeah i think so i could be wrong i think yeah i think it's sanctuary one and they create all these robots and androids in vesper and uh so he probably even had a hand in that and create these corrupt morphers that create joe's powers cyrus powers and uh they they harness the time force and hyper force technology from the Eltarian technology that f- fuels Zordon that keeps him in his tube, and they experiment on Eltarians, and you find out that uh, in time force the Cyclobots have different alien pieces within inside their bodies. Wow, in, including Eltarians. Which is so scary, and that was what Mister Ashford did for fun before all this. <laughs>
0: and like you also noted that he's like also responsible for Alex like coming back from yeah. the dead. Yeah,
1: and uh, that's the other thing is he he has a hand in Alex's resurrection. Uh, Alex did die. Alex didn't like you know almost die. Alex full on died, and then they frankenstein his body. They, they you know, resurrected him in all these horrible tests. And that's why Alex is even worse when he comes back and he has almost no memories. And his sister, Syrah, that's why she becomes Time Force Black, is she wants to get revenge on Jen because she thinks Jen did all this. But oh it wasn't. It, but it wasn't. It it was Commander Logan. It was Dr. Ferrex. And and uh, a version of Doctor Ferrex called Fricks in that comic, um, and then and then it was Mister Ashford, and he's this looming horrible presence, and he's the reason why in that in Sins of the Future you have all these paradoxes. That's hyperforce happening. Uh, the end mm-hmm. of hyperforce causes all these paradoxes.
0: <laughs> wow! Just. Yeah, just fucking rancid vibes all around, thanks to Mr. Ashford.
1: Horrible. like, Oh,
0: yeah. God. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all he can really say about him. What a dick.
2: <laughs> what a dick.
0: So, I guess we kind of move on to our honorable mentions here. i are just going to briefly
2: touch. Uh, Jen Scotts was kind of the beginning mentor, but obviously, commitment, stuff like that. I'm guessing, on Aaron Cahill's part. You yeah, know.
0: she just
1: signed the 12-picture deal with the Hallmark channel.
0: Yeah, I like, mean, it's good work if you can get it, so... Yeah,
2: yeah, yep. she, she got that, you know, all that. So, you know, they only got her once, and she kind of starts off as the, the mentor. But, you know, gotta give her a nod there. The returning rangers, uh, a bunch of them did return. Um, yeah, like... um I'm trying to remember them all. I'm sorry, because there
0: was... Gem. Aisha... Oh. Jam, uh,
1: yeah, Uh There was supposed to be a Kelsey episode, but it ended up being a Mystic Force episode with Mystic Mother. You mm-hmm. had uh, so many returning Rangers. I can't even think of them all right yeah. now. <laughs> uh,
2: we mentioned Lady Glenavir. You know, she was instrumental with the Battleizer episode. Uh, she was also kind of the love interest, a little bit for Chloe. Uh, yeah. but but they could sneak in basically. Uh, uh, the Coinless, a lot of the Coinless uh, cast uh, from the Coinless dimension uh, and Lord Draken, because we're going to talk about more of him in the comics
0: Yeah, that's he's going to be kind of our big bad next year, I assume so. Oh,
2: Divorce oh, Tommy yeah. did come back as well as a return Oh, Ranger. I totally
0: forgot about Divorce Tommy <laughs> Divorce oh, Tommy returns Oh, he needs,
2: he needs to smooch Antoine finally
1: Yes, that's it and you know, in that episode, Chloe steals the original dragon dagger from from the base, and she she just showed up in the Legacy Wars video game, and <laughs> she she pulls out the dragon dagger sometimes when you're fighting with her. Mm. That she stole in that episode. Whoever did that did their research. Yes. Um, Again,
0: so we're gonna make stuff yeah. happen because she's just dicking around. Yes. <laughs> So, all right.
2: So now we're going to go to kind of another sentence and we were going to talk a little bit more about the pros and cons of the tabletop storytelling. So yeah, Uh, we've
0: gone over a lot of the pros about kind of how it ends up leading to these very flexible moments within playing out mm -hmm. stuff in canon. So instead of like, you know, oh, we're just going to give like the shiny battleizer to Marv because he's the Red Ranger. They left it up to a dice roll and obviously we get you know that Chloe. Oh, Chloe, yeah. Um, and like so much but, of the moments hinge on those dice rolls.
2: <laughs> like I-, I mentioned, one of my favorite bits was when Vesper came back as an Alpha. They left that up to how much Vesper's memory returned through a dice roll, and because it was a shitty dice roll, you know, you had Vesper kind of knowing she wasn't Alpha, maybe who she was, but it like she's had to find out all about herself all over again. <laughs> It is great
1: moments, yeah. But uh, and we still got a clip show out of that. It was basically a clip show. <laughs> yeah, it was basically,
2: basically a clip show. But um, the cons, I think the biggest con is something you really pointed out, Ashley. Um, and there's, uh, I think there's two big cons. But the biggest one, Ashley, you pointed out, was how everything like it feels like you're watching the first draft of a story being played out.
0: Yeah, because it's just like. Obviously when, you know, something like a tabletop RPG is a very collaborative effort between the players and the GM and obviously with, you know, in the case of something like this with Power Rangers, you also have Melissa like helping mm. feed details and all of that. So it's a very collaborative effort between, you know, the the GM, you know, the team, like the the gamers and then the um and then obviously the production team. But like mm. Since, like, obviously something like a, a tabletop is kind of, like, you, you know, it is very much you're in the moment having to make those decisions. Like, obviously you might know things that, like, you know, possibilities that you can take or, like, you know, you leave these plot threads up for the players to take. Um, but it is all going to kind of come to chance and how the characters react and how the dice-like roles end up playing out. And so, like, sometimes you kind of get these, like, meandering parts where they're trying to, like, oh. yeah. um, figure something out. Or, oh, we're going to have, like, this training sequence and it takes, like, forever. And just, like...
1: An hour of an episode sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a lot of walking and a lot of not talking. And it is... Brutal sometimes, especially as the person who's watched it six times over now, mm-hmm. it gets to be the worst part of Hyperforce. It is yeah. dragging on so much, and you you try to get people to watch something like Hyperforce, and they go, "The first episode alone is three hours. What what is going on here?" You know.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's that's about as long as a session. And I think about exactly. what I what I've said before. Like it ties into also like you know how you are as a gamer and everything it's fun to actually do this in person like when you're in the game and you're doing the three-hour session it doesn't feel like three hours but when you're watching it it feels like you know i will liken it to like okay you're it's not your turn like your character's not doing anything or something and the gm's focusing on something else and you're just kind of watching other people play and so you're just kind of like, or you know, you're invited, but you don't get a, a character to play, so you're just watching people play a game. Yeah, yeah. and
0: I know that's fun and, for a lot of people, like watching yeah. RPGs. Um, you know, obviously, Critical Role has a massive fandom, and mm-hmm. like, you know, to the point where I say, you though know, I don't if you didn't read it, it's fine. Um, but so Kieran Gillen, um, in his comic Die, well, his comic was Stephanie Hans Die um it's a comic about rpgs and or rather it, it's his version of what happened to those kids in the D like
2: mm-hmm. cartoon
0: that never went, got back home
2: <laughs> oh my god
0: it's a great comic um but the last few issues of it he did interviews with various people in like the rpg community and the last one he did was with matt mercer and just talking about kind of the evolution of tabletop rpgs as theater and like how it yeah. is how the expectation of that is versus actually playing a tabletop rpg and i think that's part mm-hmm. of it it's just that you know it's you know having to watch people play it sometimes it does drag on and like um, yeah you know, it makes you kind of maybe just want to get in there and maybe try to maybe try it out yourself or, but like, I, yeah, that could be rough sometimes. I'm just like, I get that like this was a typical session, like for them, I'm sure they're having a great time playing it.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. And, we can't forget about you know at the time it was so collaborative for the fans you were able to use hashtags to affect things you were able to send yeah. in bits and things to affect the episode directly you felt hands-on in that there were giveaways that you felt like if you hashtagged enough or you were in the chat you were active enough reacting to things i won one of those giveaways and it was so neat I, i'm wearing the pajama pants from that right now now, you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was so collaborative but it, compared to like you know i i mentioned Droffy's show draw detectives where you have the players and you could see the players as they're doing their thing but you have full on uh you know graphics on the screen at all times that allow you to imagine even more what is going on in the episodes mm-hmm. and It's the difference between a live session and an edited down one. Right. And we could have used an edit, but it, it was live and it was from a small company, Hyper RPG, who they went on to do so many other things. Kolok 1991 is a great example. Kolok is, it's on the shutter channel right now, I think, or chiller TV. And, uh, it's a heightened version of what they were able to do with Hyperforce, you know, yeah. and, and but Hyperforce, you have to have stepping stones like that to get to things like coloc and Drawtectives that are even more impressive later on. Right.
3: <laughs> and
2: I'd also like to note, like you mentioned, like when you're watching it live, there was ways to get the audience to participate where we're watching like yeah, basically a replay. five years later,
1: you're five watching- years later. It does feel different. You know, Uh, something that gets lost in a lot of media discussion is who you were and what everyone else was Mm -hmm. during the thing that you're watching or participating in. Right. Yeah. And it's a very different experience. You know, you don't have the baggage of then. You have the baggage of now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a different person than I was when I, you know, I needed something like Hyperforce in my life. It is still one of my favorite incarnations of Power Rangers. And up until recently, it was my favorite incarnation of Power Rangers, and Dino Fury just outdid it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, like, it is a very good version of Power Rangers. Like, and the story, the yeah. overall story, I might add. It's just that, again, sometimes just the way, with the way that, you know, live tabletop RPGs work, it was just kind of a slog, especially mm. the first half of the series is kind of a yeah. slog, Getting to where it wants to go and then like you know once you have certain things that switch that it kind of picks up the pace a little bit more and I think once they know a little bit more of like how the other people on the table play and how you know how it works like once that gets streamlined it gets a little bit easier to get through. (laughs)
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, 100%. And it felt that way even back then, you know, Mm -hmm. as you got to know the characters, you fell in love with the characters and you were there for them for everything, you know. Uh, But in the beginning, it was a lot of walking and figuring things out, and Mm -hmm. it it really needed to trim some of that fat,
0: (laughs) yeah. And it's just like, yeah, so that's, I think, what I mean when I say it's like watching somebody's first draft of like
3: you know obviously
0: they play out this version that has a lot of stuff that like maybe this wasn't necessary and like if they maybe wanted to readapt it later in terms of like oh well you know we're going to go and do a animated version of hyperforce like similar to the you know legend of Vox Machina Vox Machina from uh, critical role when with that animated series on mm-hmm. Amazon yeah. or if they wanted to do graphic novels the way that adventure zone does graphic novels of uh they've done graphic novels of each of the stories of the balance arc um Mm -hmm. like i could see like them going and doing that but they would probably need to cut down like a lot of particular things
2: yeah that maybe just add other things oh yeah
3: yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) because definitely there's some things that like just like that would happen i'm like wait what? like it just it was I something I had just totally forgotten about that happened like earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. That maybe like, hey, maybe we can like uh, highlight this, as foreshadow this a little bit better. But you know, it's I guess it's one, just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, it's part of the collaborative effort of this particular medium that has its like any like any medium of. Any, 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 any work has its own pros and cons of what you can convey with it versus like what you can't. Um, and kind of just, I guess we'll move on to our next point here, which is, so our GM for most of the, uh, most of the sessions was Malika Lim. Yeah. Um, and with occasionally, um, their spouse, Zach Eubank, popping in to assist either with playing another character Uh, playing another NBC, or in the case of the Shattered Grid episode, he was the one who, like, GM the entire session.
1: Yeah. And it was so different. You know, it was... They're very different, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's so great to have a guest GM come in who Mm -hmm. has been so intrinsic to the outside aspect Mm -hmm. and then comes in and absolutely brutalizes the place.
0: Yeah, (laughs) like, I... (laughs) I will say, like, I obviously, I love how Malika, I love how she played um, Alpha 55, but I yes. just, I love when, like, Zach came in and played Alpha 55, and Alpha 55 is very much more dumb with Vesper shit. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> like, it just cracked me up.
2: Uh, I also, I really loved his doggy Krueger.
0: Oh, oh.
1: He really captured
2: the spirit of just, like, I'm done with everybody's shit, Doggy Kruger. Yes.
0: Yeah, I would say that Zach's best performances on the show is, like, Mr. Ashford, like, Mm -hmm, he did a great job with that, especially as a character that is just coming in at the very end and makes everything, like, makes, like, not makes sense, but, like,
3: Mm -hmm. it
0: it is what so much of the series before it hinged on, you know? Um, Mr. Ashford... Doggy Kruger and his Zed is impeccable. Oh yeah. Um,
1: so good.
0: Um I will say though I did love how he like he did try his best with all of the um Time Force Rangers. He did. Yeah,
1: he tried, you know.
0: Uh it was just like I think his best one that came through is probably maybe Tripper Lucas.
1: Yeah. yeah. Trip for sure I'd say. Yeah.
0: Um but yeah, so it's definitely interesting it's definitely like so we talked about it is that like obviously they had you know since you have these two that are playing like all of the npcs mm-hmm. like sometimes their voices were really great and sometimes they were mm.
1: <laughs> Ooh, they were squeezy sparkle toes as i alluded to in the beginning <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: i mean when you're gming you have to be all over the place and so sometimes yeah. it doesn't come through, and that's fine.
0: Yeah, like I did love that. Like Malika's like Rita voice is just so fucking spot on.
2: Yeah. Oh. oh man, Malika! I'll just I just really loved how they played monsters.
0: Yeah, like yeah. I think that was some of the ones that came across the best. And like I think the, they really mm-hmm. had fun with the monsters. You could tell. Yeah, one
1: hundred percent. And they got to craft a lot of the monsters themselves. Mm-hmm. You know. The, the Candius Cornicus, Shibirai, uh, uh the Perfume Pony, which I think was actually from the Abba Ranger footage, and they didn't even use that monster. So they really <laughs> did their research and went back in and created yeah. monsters of their own that were so memorable. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, yeah, I think it just, it it's one of the, like, it's definitely one of the strengths of, like, their GMing is kind of like the monsters that they were able to create and kind of just mm-hmm. play with within that space. Um, and kind of just touching back on Malika's, uh, Rita is that I, I like, I know it was something that they kind of had to do last minute, but I did love the, the mystic mother therapy episode.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was supposed to be a Kelsey episode for Lightspeed Rescue and they end up kind of, uh, it, it, it's even somewhat referenced in a, uh Beast Morphers episode, uh, which you'll get to later. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's kind of a back door for one of the rangers there, and uh, they they end up doing such a great like therapy session with Mystic Mother, and she does a really great job in capturing that character with more time spent there with Mystic Mother than we even got in Mystic Force.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, and I just I love the bit when like she just dips back into Rita and then just pulls herself right back out. <laughs>
1: that's what was missing from the original version. It's mm-hmm. so great that she got to add that.
0: 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um and obviously like like you mentioned with the fact that they're just they did their research and they're pulling from, you know, everything in terms of like, you know, they're pulling from mm-hmm. sentai seasons that haven't even really been like adapted in the, in the states or like sentai stuff we don't we didn't see or like
2: mm-hmm. Making the bad seasons ba- like matter, quote unquote, bad seasons.
0: Yeah, because like, yeah. there's stuff from over, like the stuff from like Operation Overdrive ends up mattering because Sentinel Night comes in with the Corona Aurora. Yes. and that's like it s- may- such an important
1: plot point. Go to Aquitar. They go to Aquatar, and we yeah. see Aquitar, and they fight villains on Aquatar. That is right. huge. Yeah, yeah. You that know- is-
0: And they have, like, this origin story for Orion and, like, how he came out.
1: How did I even not mention Orion? That is so great. Uh, Talk about another character who's very queer-tinged in that episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, That is, you know, Orion, it makes Megaforce better. And then they are part of the legendary battle. And they were there the whole time and we didn't know, you know, that's so awesome. That kind of stuff. That is. Yeah.
0: Like, they definitely, I feel like they definitely saw an opportunity to, like, make these things from, like, seasons that maybe people don't care about as much. Like, I know But it's
1: all every version of Power Rangers is someone's favorite. Oh, That's yeah. something that, that people forget about, you know, every character is someone's like guiding light character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, they respected everything and celebrated everything equally. It yeah. wasn't a Mighty, Mighty Morphin show. It wasn't a to- Tommy celebration <laughs> every week. And it wasn't, you know, uh, the same thing over and over again. It wasn't lifeless suits standing in a quarry.
0: Right. It yeah. was,
1: you know, it was characters. It was celebrations of big things and small things. They explain how Ernie in Mega Force is named Ernie. Yeah. And that he franchised Ernie's juice bar and created Ernie's brain freeze because he loved gelato in Italy. Who, who <laughs> thinks of that besides people that really care, right. you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that that's kind of the big thing is like, if this was like done by one of the, I don't, I'm, I'm going to get like thrown under a bus here. One of the more vindictive fans I've seen on the internet, that's like, well, I can write power Rangers. Like it would, i <sighs> feel be joyless and definitely like show someone's bias towards something where they're like okay whereas here with this it's like they definitely made just something out of everything even something you know like ashley and i didn't care much for operation overdrive and it's like they made stuff from operation overdrive like special that even looking like we can look back on some of those bits and like oh yeah no that's great that you did that
0: yeah no for sure and like you know, they made stuff from like it made me love Orion like Orion was already one of my favorite characters in Megaforce. Yeah, oh yeah. He's
1: definitely my favorite him and Emma. Yeah. You know, yeah. for sure.
0: And it just made Orion an even better character in retrospect. It made him even yeah.
1: more sympathetic and empathetic. He he mm. you know, you see his trauma and his torture and him being so solitudinous, you yeah. know.
2: Yeah.
0: And, like, I think it even kind of makes his, like, return to Earth at the end of Megaforce, like, even more, like...
1: Yeah. The Hyperforce Rangers did that! Yeah! Yeah! How cool is that? Like, that's off-screen in a way that, like, other franchises don't do that a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Hyperforce, I always like to make the analogy that it is the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. of Power Rangers. Okay, Uh, that yeah. works, that yeah. tracks y- you know. Uh, Hyperforce, you know, uh, is the Hyperforce Rangers helped Orion get back to Earth mm. and also were there fighting, but the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sent the helicarrier at the end of Age of Ultron. You know, it's the same kind of you know comparison, I would, and it's my favorite Marvel project ever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and people uh, fight about its canonicity uh, (laughs) i wonder what what else that sounds like you know
0: (laughs) i mean if they can if they're gonna put the netflix stuff back into canon like there's still like mcu canon like there's still hope out there for shield
1: johnson i want johnson (laughs) don't even get me started
0: oh i i feel you i feel you um (laughs) But, like, obviously, like, we've seen this pop up in the comics a few times where, like, I think the one thing I thought of, uh, remembered was then the comic with astronomer that came out, I think, earlier this year or late last year. Um, or it might have been the middle of last year. Time is meaningless now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where it was the characters from, Fl- like, she was fighting the characters from Flashman. And then, like, I think one of the, which team was it that showed up in, um, in The Psychopath?
1: That would be Five Man, and they become the Supersonic Rangers. Yeah, yeah. so and, like... And they, they were all murdered by the character who becomes Psycho Green. Yeah. He yeah. was the sixth Ranger of their team. And it's the same thing. Uh, Astronoma kills everyone but the Pink and Green Rangers in uh, Flashman, who are known as the... Oh my gosh, it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. The Prism Rangers.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I, I do remember that now.
1: Um, and... and Hyperforce introduced the the knights of the round table and they had said uh, they were waiting for authorization from Toei to use images of uh, uh oh my gosh, what is it? Changeman. Uh mm-hmm. and that's who Guinevere was supposed to be like was like the white change man, and they were just gonna give them medieval weapons instead. And they didn't get the authorization, so they had to use generic stock photos of knights in the episode I this, <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: but yeah like i think this is like i think this was the first time within canon that like they established that yeah there can be other well not the first time because obviously that popped up a little bit in megaforce
1: mm. yes
0: but like this, this is,
1: fleshed it out yeah, yeah and like this is something
0: that you still see carrying over through the comics now is that you'll see like these other sentai teams that have never been adapted in the states,
1: yeah, show
0: up within the comics.
1: Thank the Morphin Masters and Daphne Plebin. Yep, that's yeah. all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: all right, uh, we reached the end of this episode. Uh, what is our verdict? Uh, so far, I think it's like we love the story and we're not a fan of the medium. For me, I was a big fan of the characters and the story. There's these it's beautifully connected like series that just kind of connects everything with Power Rangers and the, the players were. They, they made it all wonderful, and they made such beautiful, like, characters uh, and the jams. You know, they sound like they are wonderful to play on, under. But I, I can say it's like I'm not a big fan of this medium. Uh, tabletop. I'm a big tabletop player. I've been playing since high school. Uh, it's great to play, but it's something to watch. Theater, it could be kind of hard. Um, uh, like I said, I remember Ashley talking about how I was, like, watching someone work through a first draft. And that's what it felt like. Um, I do hope it does get kind of adapted maybe as a novel or like if it's animated, it's like turncated down the line and with the cast.
0: All right, and yeah, as someone who has only played one tabletop RPG before, I never quite know how to deal with uh tabletop RPG as theater. There's definitely a lot of hyperforce to love between the characters, the player dynamics and the story, but I definitely felt like I was watching a rough version in progress. I'd like to see them come back in another medium one day, and I'm glad they experimented within this medium as a way to tell stories, but I'm not certain how I feel about it telling Power Rangers stories overall.
1: Hyperforce to me is an imperfect Frankenstein of a beast within a franchise that's known for being a Frankenstein of so many disparate pieces in so many ways. It's got so much heart, so many incredible, unforgettable characters and an unforgettable cast of people who were fans of power rangers who got to become power rangers. And it's just bogged down a little by a format that was a little head ahead of its time and has been perfected in a lot of ways later. Uh, it, it it really allowed for uh, you know, so much creativity, but with some pretty strict borders and I'd give anything to see my favorite team of Rangers again, uh, in any format, in the show, in the comics, in an animated sense, in whatever Entwistle is working on. I love these characters. Chloe especially means everything to me. And I'd die happy if she appeared in the show. Uh, it is the 30th anniversary right now. And to have her come back would be the greatest honor in the world, And this cast deserves it. The people who work behind the scenes from Malika to Zach to Naeem to Adam Halavik and everybody in between, Melissa Flores, Jason Bischoff, and everybody else involved, they deserve the world. And they deserve for Hyperforce to be, you know, the cherry on top of an incredible franchise. And it's beyond time to see this incomplete story continued.
0: All right, that's it for this episode. Uh, As always, we want to thank Kate Nix for recording our theme song that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Uh, You can find her at katenix.com where you can find her band camp, her merch, and streaming. As of the publishing of this podcast, her streaming show, The Lounge, is taking a break. Um, It usually airs on Tuesdays at 8pm, but uh, stay tuned to her Twitter and Instagram, uh, which is at Zenitack, which is her name backwards. Uh, For updates when it it will return. We also want to thank Joe Hunter for our podcast art. Which you see every time you download and listen to our podcast. Uh, You can find him at uh, Joe underscore Hunter on Twitter as well as Patreon. Uh, Joe Bloody Hunter on Instagram. And JoeHunter.Threadless.com for some of his designs. Uh, he's currently working on Beast Heart Strikers with Land Pitts, and he also had backups in Radiant Black for several issues. Uh, you can find Radiant Black uh, wherever you purchase your local at your local comic book store or online, wherever you purchase comics. And you can find uh, Beast Heart Strikers on Comixology. We also want to thank Kurt Yoder for editing the podcast, as always. You can find him on Twitter at TheGreatSG, as well as GreatSGPixels, which is his Perler art account, and GreatSGCreations on Etsy. Our wrestler of the podcast is Brandon Cutler. He may be a stooge for the Young Bucks, but he's a tabletop RPG player in his own right. You can find him on Twitter at Brand Cutler, and you can still find the D&D game he ran with some AEW stars called Critical Botch out there to watch. Uh, thank you again to our five dollars patron Griffman. We want to thank you again for so uh, so much for your support. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can find us there at Rangersplain. And of course, our final thank you to our guest of this episode, George Jr. from George's Ranger Reviews. George, where can we find you?
1: You can find me across social media at Ranger Reviews and uh for my non-safe for work accounts you can find me at Bara pink ranger across everything from OnlyFans to twitter to instagram and everything in between
0: all right and then for us well you can find me on instagram and twitter at miss kitty f uh you can also find my Linktree account which has links to all of my stores which include itch.io And my main shop, which is ashley-leckwell.square.site
2: And then you can find me uh, at Twitter at Velociriker. Uh, You can also find my um, basically like a link tree or a bio link uh, there to my store, Coda's Magical Crafts, where I sell like soaps and candles and lip balms. Um, That is also where my Instagram is, uh, Coda's Magical Crafts, TikTok, and Coda's Crafts for Twitter.
0: And then for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at rangersplain, as well as the Patreon we previously mentioned. You can also find us on uh, our website, which is our WordPress account, rangersplain.wordpress.com, where you can find all of our show notes and links to everywhere you can listen to us, possibly online. If you're unable to support us financially on Patreon, we totally get it. Another good way to support us is by... Uh, rating and reviewing our podcast wherever you listen to it. So that helps us beat the dreaded algorithm and get out to more Power Rangers loving weirdos. And well, as we said, that's it for this month. Next month, we are finally ending the Neo Saban era with Ninja Steel. I'm also going to be on Painkillers while watching. So this is going to be an interesting time. Stay safe and may the power protect you.
3: Go